Welcome back to Jack Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Men Going to Therapy, Jay. And joined as always is my co-host, literally anything else, <laughs> Z. How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing pretty good. I like doing anything else besides therapy. That's my favorite thing. Does everyone really need therapy? You know, they, uh, they say, oh, everyone should go to therapy. Yeah, that seems like excessive. Maybe, if everyone's maybe. going to therapy, it's like no one's going to therapy, right? I think. Who watches the Watchmen? Who therapizes the therapists? I think that's how that would go. The ratio of, of yeah everyone else to therapists would be too low. Yeah. Well, maybe it's the kind of therapy. Maybe it's any kind of therapy. Maybe like music therapy would count, but it's not like right. sit in a room and talk to a guy. You just listen to a song you like and you feel better. Man, I guess we all got our own. I don't know. It's weird to think about. You've, you've sent me spiraling here, Jack. I think I'm going to be silent for the rest of the episode as I descend I, into like inner contemplation. Well, save it for your blog. We got a show to do. No, no, no. I've, I, I shall be leaving you now. <laughs> oh, very good. I guess I'll do the show by myself. Never mind. Figured it out. Oh, you're back. Oh, incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick. I'll be cool actually. Because <laughs> you hit it with fuck a wee ball, and you're like, all right, I'm set. <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm cool. You haven't, you haven't quite hit that that uh, point in the night where you have a deep depression for about half an hour. And you go, mm-hmm. man, what am I doing? And then you go, man, we'll play a video game. And you go, I'm doing all right. I'll be all right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, are we doing a show? Is this what we're doing? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we recording? I think, I think so. Yeah. Now okay. that we've gotten our, our like weird philosophical... That's uh, well, kind of a harsh word. Rambling. Oh, I think yeah. it's cool. Rambling. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <clears throat> so... <laughs> we, Jack, we watched a, a TV show that we've been watching, haven't we? We have. It's kind of, The finale, you could say. Well, you would say. Of so House of the Dragon. The House of the Dragon. No, just House of the Dragon. Just House of the people, Dragon. People have been calling this show any any number of variations on it. I'll tell you what. I've seen like The House of the Dragon, House of Dragon, House of the Dragons, Houses of Dragons. It's been all, all the variations. No There's one too many pearls. Called. But House of the Dragon, season finale, episode 10, The Black Queen. A good episode, I'd say. A uh, great know. episode. It's a great episode, Jack. As, as most of these have been. Um, Real solid time all around, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we open with, basically, uh, the fallout from last week. Well, I guess we should say, so obviously last week was entirely one-sided in its perspective for the most part, right? Um, right. Unlike most of this season, which has been seen our characters, e- even when they were separated by like distance within the show, we still caught back and forth with all the perspectives. Um, last season, was, or last week, was entirely... Um, you know, geographically located in King's Landing, so we didn't get Rhaenyra or Damon or any of her side for the most part. So now mm. we've gotten the flip of that. So there's no no Allison or anyone this episode. Um, so we basically open with the dealing with the fall. Uh, Rhaenys arrives after she fled last week and lets them lets them know about uh, Viserys dying and Aegon assuming the throne, which is a uh, well, it's a tough time, isn't it? It's not good. Yeah, uh, Damon kind of. Is the audience surrogate, I think, in this scene. He's like, why didn't you just kill him? <laughs> I, yeah, I do. You had your big lizard monster who breeds fire. I do appreciate that they at least addressed it a little. Because we talked about it last week. Not a big fan of that uh, inclusion, of that of that decision that they had here for the show. Right. I don't think I'll ever fully understand it. I just don't think it's necessary. Um, as much as I suppose I except their justification of like, I get why Rainey's as a character wouldn't do it because that's kind of been her prerogative all season. Right. Is that she's kind of offensive or still don't care much for it. So 
glad right. that Damon called her out because Damon's like, I'd have killed him. I'd have burned them all right good. <laughs> yeah, just got him right there and then. He would not have hesitated for even a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, um, so, and the so, stress of it all, right? Yeah. Uh, basically causes uh, Rhaenyra some some difficulties here with her pregnancy that she's had the past couple of couple of weeks we've, we've seen. So she's this is her third child with Damon there. And uh, it sends her into like uh, basically an early labor. And she's dealing with that for the first, I don't know, quarter of this episode Couple. here. Yeah, pretty um, Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon by extension, continuing that trend of showing me probably the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, well, this show and the boys are kind of going neck and neck for who can show me the worst thing I've seen put to television. Uh, most upsetting, I think, is the word. Uh, and we can cut through it real quick. She's going to these labor pangs or like, yeah, early labor. And then the mace is like, this is uh, this is kind of weird. This shouldn't be happening. And then she's like, shut the fuck up. It's happening. And he's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And no one does. And then she kind of uh, prematurely gives a premature birth. And there's no better way to say it. It kind of pulls it out at a point. Yeah. Uh, this really upsetting. Uh, they show as much as they can show. Like, like right up to the line. I don't know. Uh, it's even like, like they can show thing. And then, I guess can show. I guess I, when, I, when I say can show... I mean, like the level of like audience enjoyment yeah, yeah, that that any even like semi reasonable yeah. audience would, would in, like yeah, if if they went further than what they did, I would have just turned it off or like skipped through that part. Like, uh, yeah, I I take a cold shower. To, yeah, I kind of had to look away at some point myself. I think, um, but yes, obviously her her son is is stillborn here. Um, I don't know. The implication I it would definitely say is that it's all the stress and everything, right? I don't know if that's exactly how it works necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it, a particularly like mentally distressing thing can just make you launch into labor or if it's just coincidence and, you know, poetic timing for the story. But um, yeah. I would say this, one of the interesting things about this episode is uh, the sort of cracks that we see in her and Damon's relationship. So We've been kind of on the side all all season here that Damon, while he clearly has no shortage of, of faults, um, one of his his kind of redeeming qualities is that he is pretty, um, you know, like steadfast and loyal to his family. And this kind of, uh, I'd say this adds a little bit of complication to that, this episode, um, because we, we really start to see like, you know, does he have his own motivations and kind of ambitions and stuff going on that are superseding that? Uh, to an extent, or is it like, I, I suppose the question that this episode could sort of pose is like, is it that, or is he really still just doing what he thinks is best for his family? Right. Right. Um, and I think there's kind of a line there. I, he definitely does some stuff, especially later on here. That's pretty um, unforgivable, I would say, but basically early on, his thing is that he's wanting to, he's basically preparing right away for war. Right. Even though they haven't um, really discussed it, they haven't actually, received any word from the the greens in and stuff the only source they have is uh Rainius is that he's ready to like summon all the banners muster all the support they can and uh and go to war about it and Rhaenyra even though she's not she doesn't have much to contribute while she's in the middle of her childbirth there she's she's arguing for more uh more like temperance right mm-hmm. yeah and that's kind of the that's a big conflict this episode because we don't actually see you know the other side of it so it's all internal um go for it uh, we got the ta- the table the painted table that's pretty cool huh yeah i, I did think it too i didn't i liked when they put all the candles under it and it kind of lit up and that was yeah. neat that was a cool 
table thing. They don't do that. It doesn't do that in the show and in that Game of Thrones. Also, I will say, um, it doesn't seem to be very painted. (laughs) So, (laughs) no, not not really at all. I don't know what that's about. I gotta say, but maybe it's like painted with lights or some metaphorical bullshit or something. Yeah, right. I don't. I really don't know what that's about, but um, it's definitely slightly different than we saw it in Game of Thrones. At least, not least, all because of the fire. And they, I guess, they can move it because it is just a table. But I remember when I first saw it, it was in like a different room. It's, it's obviously a different mm-hmm. room. It's in a much larger, like the central courtroom, than it is in <clears throat> uh, Game of Thrones. And I, it threw me off. But I was like, oh, I guess it is just a table. That you know, yeah. why couldn't you move it? So, uh, but so again, Rhaenyra's going through this, and she's trying to get her her uh, her sons there, Luke and um, Jace, to kind of cool down and and try to rein in Damon too whatever extent because he's he's not coming to see her and it kind of comes to a head when uh as you said she's kind of like well i guess i better just be done with this pregnancy and i would assume that like i mean it wasn't a viable pregnancy to begin with right right yeah but you're you're definitely right that the way she goes about it is is definitely viscerally upsetting even to the level that um the midwives right who they have there and the mason stuff who have done at least like a handful of births with her as, as they mentioned at one point, this would be her sixth child. Uh, yeah. And presumably those, you know, uh, midwives and stuff have done a number of other ones beyond hers as well. Maybe, I don't know. That's kind of their job. Mm-hmm. You would think, um, even they are very upset by this. They're just weeping and just like, can't look at it. Cause it's like, which is crazy. Jesus. Cause you've got to, again, you got to imagine that if your job is being a midwife, especially the one lady was quite, quite older. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're that old of a midwife in in the Game of Thrones world, you've seen a lot of, of you know, in in Game of Thrones times, right? With uh, the medical technology being what it is, you've definitely seen a good number of of grisly scenes in in a you know birthing bed. So for that to even upset them is like, oh yeah, this is this is pretty next level. Um, but then we uh, they have a after she's kind of recovered, they have a funeral for this child, right? And uh, this is a moment when our boy, my my lad, um, Lord Eric, Eric, not Lord, sorry, Sir Eric. Which one is he? Fuck. I think he's. I think I'm he's pretty sure he's with the E, Ed. but I don't know how you're supposed to say that. Eric? Eric? They really are too close, aren't they? Far too <laughs> close for twins. How you? What's the difference between Eric and Eric? Eric? Which one's which? Um, it's lost to us. It's definitely E, though. I'm fairly sure, right? Oh, no. th- it, it's A. It's Eric. I think it's just, oh, but then yeah. Eric. See, we spell Eric in in our world with an E, don't we? So I guess Eric mm-hmm. is with the E and Auric is with the A, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, right. I mean, I, I I think it's the best we're gonna get out of these names. So it's Auric, I believe, um, is the one who shows up and he's he's taken out the crown um, from from uh, the Red Keep there and he brings it to her, which is a cool scene. Um, it is a slight change because in the book. The crown's already been stolen, and that's why um, the blacks, or the, sorry, the greens are like forced to to use the conqueror's crown. That like wasn't just their plan from the start. They were kind of forced out of necessity. They were just originally going to give him his his father's crown. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so he gives it to her, and this is a really cool moment, I think, again for the characters here, where he first hands it to Damon, and you see this kind of hesitation on his face for a moment there, right? <clears throat> Which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Where he's like clearly contemplating, I would say, right, whether or not he should just take it for himself and just just you know do his own thing. Um, but he doesn't. 
he uh, he he gives it to her and kneels to her as his queen, and they all do, which is a pretty cool scene. I really enjoyed this. Um, you know, even though it's only been one season of of build up to this moment, I still think this is a cool like build up payoff type thing, right? You know, it's not quite on the same line of like say like when Jon Snow was crowned king in the north or anything, but it's you know similar. It's got that kind of vibe. Um, it's got notoriety. Yeah, so I think that's cool. Um, and having the whole like field of everyone like kind of recede out and bow to her is a cool moment. Um, everyone except um, Rain is there, who is still all like wishy-washy about it. I don't know what her deal is. I gotta say, I mean, we know what her deal is come later on, but she's really yeah. hedging her bets still at this point. <clears throat> um, so yeah, she's a, that's that's the moment, right? Titular Black Queen. Oh yeah, she crowned queen, and then they're starting to like she starts to join in on the um, uh, tabling of. Like preparing for war, yeah, the black like the scene where yeah they uh like they're she's walking with her guards and then they like she goes to walk in they all gotta go to follow her she's like all right just yeah. stay here I'm like I can't go anywhere I thought this was really fascinating because even though Rhaenyra has known since she was a teenager right that she she was gonna be queen she still isn't quite mm-hmm. ready right like that's the sense of yeah. it it's like and I guess the thing is how could anyone ever truly be right um but it's just it's kind of neat to yeah. me is that like she still has her own uncertainty and her own, you know, like, yeah, just kind of un- unsureness about it is like, it's tough. Like, would, how could you be fully prepared ever? Right. Um, Cause it's something that's kind of addressed in the beginning of the episode too, before she gets the news, she's talking to Luke. Oh yeah. Cause he, he's like, I don't want to be Lord of Driftmark. Like I, I don't know how to sail the sneeze. The sea snake is better suited. Like, I don't like this. And she's like, "Ah, eh, you'll be fine." Like I didn't know, and I got taught, and it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. And then, like, because yeah, she still is. I mean, how could you know how to exercise absolute like authority like that without having it, right? Because mm-hmm. even as the princess, she she has a lot of authority, but like queen's a whole other level, and you know you don't wouldn't really have a chance to like practice sort of wielding that power until you had it i guess and that's kind of what we see here is like all right now you're here now you gotta just do it um and you got to decide what kind of queen you're gonna be right like you're gonna wheel with it wield with an iron fist and be like really unforgiving are you gonna kind of be you know a little bit more i don't know like moderate there it's it's yeah it's a whole thing you're gonna have to like piece together as she goes and uh to see so um because of damon's like frenzy right everyone's there has been whipped into just being like oh yeah we're going to war right um down to like they've sent out those ravens already um at damon's orders kind of defying what she wanted to uh where, she, where does he send them river run storms and the, the winterfell, winterfell right? i think yeah or maybe is it the first one just to river one i don't remember but no i wait i don't think they send it to those three yet i think it's i think it's river run and a cup and one or two others that aren't those three, because it's the Winterfell, the Eerie, and oh yeah, the Eerie, Stormzen yeah, the Eerie maybe are all like they. That's when the that's when they send out like Lucaris and just and Jace and all them yeah. on their dragons. Um, it's cool that when she's introduced the first time, um, right? Damon calls her out as as all her all her titles: Queen of the Andals and the Roinar and the First Men. Protector. Of the- I wonder if she has any more titles. Yeah, like a like a weird like an honorific kind of thing, right? Yeah, like Daenerys had, like she's like how Daenerys is like the unbroke, unburnt, yeah, unbreaker. Because she was Daenerys Stormborn, just right off the bat, because she was born in a storm. So that was, she was very yeah, clever. The mother of dragons, the unburnt, the breaker of chains, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea. Like, those were all things she earned along her 
character journey. Journey. Cool. Um, I like in seeing this episode that like Bela and Reyna clearly um, are like <clears throat> close to Rhaenyra. That's cool to see. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's nice. Again, they have this nice little mixed family, don't they? Although <laughs> uh, Rhaenyra's sons don't always get along the best with Damon, clearly. So <laughs> no, they kind of not not crazy. Even Jace seems to be a little high strung. He seems to be more intense than yeah. Luke is. It seems this episode from a couple like with Damon, how he even before when she's going through her labor pangs, like Jaceris is kind of beating the shit out of Luke. Yeah, I don't know what that's and about. Guy, we don't really. And the guard's like, "All right, man, like he's not gonna learn if you beat the shit out of him. Just maybe you could teach him, <laughs> like actually what you want him to learn." I wonder where that came from because we don't really, we didn't really see that out of him prior, right? You know, episode eight, which yeah. you know is only what days prior to this. They were pretty. They seemed pretty close and like, you know really cool with each other and they had a good relationship so i don't know why he was all pissy maybe it was maybe it was one of those things i just like he's still mad about what happened yeah, at dinner like how Eamon, Eamon called him out and he couldn't like do anything about him and damon stopped him and he's just like taking out on luke in that moment because they're fighting and his like blood's up yeah i think that could could very well be uh but so they yeah they start planning and uh we, we have all the all the pieces and the, and the pawns on the board and the whole the whole map and everything and they're trying to rally the great houses um as you as you said there so like the errands they think are pretty sure in from the veil because her mom was a was an errand um the riverlands they decide are kind of essential as like a staging point for them because they know they're not going to have any of the westerlands because of uh the lannisters are from the green mm-hmm. camp and then they have the north and the stormlands are kind of on the fence um <clears throat> but uh as as we see all this episode she's still hesitant about the idea of of having a full-scale war right which is really cool um i think it really endears rhaenyra as a character um and i suppose this could be one of those things maybe that that people might take complaint with in this show in terms of like whitewashing rhaenyra's character a bit and making her kind of like overly good uh Mm-hmm. Although I, as I said last week, and there's actually an example this week too, I think the show does it the same for both of both sides of this conflict. Basically, um, I right. think ultimately the show just wants you know wants you to to be more endeared and, and sort of like uh, I think it's trying to make both sides a, a little bit more like understandable and and sympathetic, just because that makes the conflict all the more interesting, right? Yeah. Right. Even though I do still think that there's one side that's kind of more more right, right than the other or maybe it'd be fair to say there's one side that's more wrong than the other <laughs> yeah um you know they still are i do think the show is, is trying to make an effort to you know make both sides understandable so that there's not just one clear-cut villain here um and that's the thing here because i think in the in the book maybe rhaenyra would be much more like ambitious and and just like ready to ready to go after it um to an extent. although i as i recall in the book it also says she was trying to prevent all-out war so i don't think this is a big departure or anything it's just good to see regardless um you know how many people in any of you know this show or the or game of thrones at all right were ever willing to take this like selfless option right because she's at some certain points here like strongly considering you know sort of taking the peaceful route which would end with her not being queen right yeah and i was you know i was thinking i was like who whoever did that in game of thrones right there was like, like anyone like ever done two that. people who took like great personal loss in order to preserve like the peace of the realm, I think, or were willing to even. It was like Ned Stark in the beginning, right? right. He was willing to like leave his family and and you know join the watch and all this and fucking 
let let a bastard sit on the throne even though he knew it was wrong and he didn't believe in it because he was clearly willing to like you know obviously on some level to protect his own family but also i think he knew like to preserve the peace of the whole realm and then kind of john snow did the same thing later on and that's like it <laughs> yeah. i really can, can scarcely think of a single other character who was like yeah you know what i don't want to rule or i will take you know i, I will dim diminish myself in order to to you know yeah. do the right thing even the other Starks don't love doing yeah, that either. Exactly. Rob and Catelyn and Rob's like, yeah, I'll be I'll king of the north. Fuck it. Like, fuck it. I'll break my oath to Frey, and that won't go wrong at this wedding. Yeah, exactly. Hmm, it's quite red in here. Exactly. So like, it's cool moment. I, I think it's really good for Rhaenyra to be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I will just take peace terms and not, so we don't have to do a war because a ton of people die, and like, you know, war doesn't determine. Even though, again, her cause is sort of right. And I would think she's morally correct on this. It's it's ultimately doesn't matter at this point, right? It, things have progressed too right. far. Where like clearly the the strength of her claim and the you know the morality of it all is kind of it's already been pushed aside, right? So like it's it's kind of just war or nothing now, right? It's war or peace. You yeah. can't you can't be like, but but I I should be queen. You, you guys should all just accept me because that's you know that ship's already it's not gonna work. Right? We're well past that point. This it's nerf or nothing. You put it away. Damon is not receptive to this. Um, he's he's clearly angry. He's always hated the High Towers, and maybe rightfully so. And he loves war. He's, he loves war. <laughs> he's um, this is actually a cool detail that will come up. Uh, maybe I don't know future future episodes here. But Damon is one of the most experienced commanders in all of Westeros at this point, right? Because oh, yeah. no one else has really fought in any wars because um, Jaehaerys's and Viserys's reigns were so peaceful. Damon had to leave the country, right, to go to war, basically. So him and the Sea Snake are two of the only guys who've seen a lot of conflict, which will maybe be helpful to them. <clears throat> um, I would think so. But then they roll up, right? Uh, Otto Hightower arrives, and he brings peace terms to them. Um, this is this is an interesting scene as well, right? Yeah, because the the terms aren't that bad. Like they're pretty they're pretty good. Like all things considered. Mm -hmm. God was like, "All right, you just don't get to be queen, but we'll let you have all the other stuff you want, and we'll like, we'll we'll make good on all that stuff." Now, granted, how much would they actually make good on? Like, how far does it actually the time it leaves his mouth to when it reaches their ears? But at least on paper, it's like, "All right, well, we're, you don't get to be queen, but yeah. we're gonna make it so you get to keep Dragonstone, like you get to have that, and your son inherits it, and your other son still gets Driftmark, and." Everything gets to stay pretty much the same, and your other sons can hang out with us in high, in uh, High Tower Land, and it'll be great. Oh, oh, I mean, uh, uh King's Landing. Uh, <laughs> King's Landing. I mean, uh, oh, my bad. It's very ah, God. There's a lot of the, clearly these, a lot of these themes and ideas are stuff that George R. R. Martin really enjoys because it really is it bears a lot of similarities when you get right down to it to like to uh, Game of Thrones, right? I think it's the same kind of scenario where you have like sniveling. Otto Hightower here, and is like, yes, and a Hightower gets to be king. This is sick. And it's like, wait a minute, Otto, that's a, you know, he's a Targaryen, right? Like, what are you, when, yeah. when Otto Hightower shows up with the terms and he's talking about, oh, the Dowager Queen, and it's like, wait, why is she sending, why is, she, why is the message coming from her? You already crowned the king. Like, why is your daughter the fucking, like, she, she technically has no role anymore. Kind of like with, uh, <clears throat> with Cersei, right? There's that, there's a point in, in one of the latest seasons of Game of Thrones where someone wants to be like, you're like, not only are you not the, you know, the queen, but you're not the queen regent either. Like your husband, ha your son has a husband, uh, a wife, and that same thing is here. Like there is a new queen now because Aegon has a wife who's now queen and all this. And and these these two are still running the show though, Alicent and, and Otto here, right? <clears throat> and really, it's just Otto running the show. Oh, yeah. 
in a lot of ways. Well, if anything, they have their own internal conflicts, right? Like that's their side of it. Mm-hmm. Is that Otto and and Allison don't always agree, just like uh, I suppose Damon and Rhaenyra don't. Um, she rolls up on her dragon though, kind of intimidate him. It's a cool moment. It's another sequence where you're like, maybe we could just burn them all alive. Um, tell you what, you know who who I dislike maybe most of all for some reason really stands out to me. The maester. the maester, dude. Something about him rocks me the wrong way, dude. I'm like, why are you on their team? What the shit? You know about germs and shit. You're supposed to be cool. cool. Do you feel the same way? Because you jump right to that. Kind of, yeah. Every time I see him, I'm I like, why? It's... Why, mister? Why can't you be cool? Yeah, I really thought he was going to be like Lord Beesbury and be like, no, this is fucked. But no, only Lord Beesbury is the, the only Chad left. Yeah, yeah, they killed him like a dog in the street. God's bless him. Seven, <sighs> the seven shinings upon you, Lord Beesbury. Lord yeah. Beesbury. Maybe you become a tree. Who's the other dude? Dead. Oh, uh, the oh, I don't remember his name. The bald guy who can't make up a lie, who couldn't lie on the spot, <laughs> he couldn't even attempt to yeah, lie for his own sake. Yeah, God, it's tough, isn't it? The, those poor guys. Yeah. I don't. I feel bad for him. I really do. Um, but yeah, and Damon is ready to go. He's like, you know what? Actually, what if we just killed you all right here? We got more guys and a dragon right there, and he's ready to fight. Um, yeah. Uh, but Rhaenyra puts a stop to it. She's like, we maybe we shouldn't do war. They send her a little page from a book. Um, which I guess actually works on her. Um, you know, at first I was like, I guess that's nice. But on the other hand, it's like when you really take the full context of what's happened here, it feels a little, a little empty, doesn't it? Yeah. That would be like if we were both trying to get into Harvard and then I beat you to get into Harvard and to make good on, I just sent you a, a like a page of the cat in the hat and was like, remember we had some good times, right? And you were like, ah, I guess that's all right. <laughs> I guess we're all square now. I suppose. <laughs> It might be a little more strong than that, but yeah. Probably. But I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a royalty. Somehow you've beat I, me for the one spot at Harvard. Yeah, the, the one spot we could have in Harvard. And they explicitly told us as well beforehand yeah. that you were going to get it. It's like, all right, we're going to give it to him. Like, Jack is stealing your spot, Zach. We need you to know this. Yeah. And then you're like, there are hey, terms. buddy, though. Huh? Huh? Remember that time we did a thing together once? I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like we there's a lot of thing, a lot of time has passed. Ah, don't worry about it. It's 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 really one of those moments where like it's really easy for her to be for Allison to be like, come on, Rio, don't be mad about it. Like, what are you gonna be a you gonna really be a jerk about this? Like, come on, just don't be mad about it. How about jeez? Yeah, just be reasonable. Come yeah, on, you gonna make a whole thing of this, or could you just maybe like be cool? You know, like be real nice if you were cool about this, Rainier. I'd be real swell. The king would like that very like much once you in know? your life. Like it's re- it just feels a little manipulative. Not even a little. It's very manipulative to be like. I think it's Game of Thrones. It's a hundred percent manipulative. Like, I know I stole the birthright, your birthright that you've been groomed for your entire life, but maybe you should just like be cool about it and not be mad. Um, but it works. It wouldn't. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Otto Hightower just ripped a page out of a book. And he was oh, like, it would probably work. I think there's like a, a non-zero chance that Otto Hightower did it himself. Yeah, they didn't need to come for yeah. Um. I really liked one of the lines in this. I thought it was really cool. It kind of ties in something from last week where he's like, you know, um, Aegon was crowned by this and anointed by the Septon. He has the Conqueror's sword. He has the Conqueror's crown. He sits on the throne. He's in King's Landing. Every symbol. He's the Conqueror's name. As yeah, well. he has the Conqueror's name. Every symbol of legitimately legitimacy belongs to him. You know, you have the birthright and like, or the, you know, you were confirmed by the king. But grand scheme of things, I, you know, it's almost like how much is that really worth, right? Um, mm-hmm. When you know, we know that a bunch of stuffy lords swirls to you like twenty years ago, but like this is what's happening in the here and now, and I think that's kind of compelling. I mean, again, it doesn't make them right, but it kind of makes them right. right, you know, in like a a might makes right kind of scenario, right? And that's the way. Oh, it's absolutely. Like, well, 
if in the, it ties into last week when um the uh the mistress of, what is she the spider whatever she was the the white worm the white worm that's what she's called that's right um when she was like you know there's no power except what the people allow you to have and it's kind of that like if most of the people believe it then what is Rainier really fighting for here right the the whole like oh yeah. but my my father promised like that's all gonna fall on deaf ears when it's like well I can look and see Aegon sitting right there. He's on. He's in the chair right now, and you're not in the chair. It seems like yeah. he's got the chair, yeah, which is tough. And it, it's it's very similar, like to Daenerys's whole thing that she goes through, uh, in Game of Thrones, when like it starts with her brother, also named Varys, being like, "Hey, yeah, you know, they're gonna they want you. They're, they they pray for you secretly, and they all telling her this, and then she's like, that's not true. There's no way that no one cares. Yeah, yeah. She like, gets to that point, and then she's still like, he's like, well, I'm still gonna do it." Like, all right, well, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe that's not the end of that, but okay. But even she knew her brother was deluded to believe that thousands yeah. prayed for them, so you, like that they, the, all the people of the realm were, were secretly, you know, like praying on their come up. Because really, the reality is that they, why would anyone care? Why would the normal people care at all, right? As long as they're needs yeah, being met, um, which is kind of a, yeah, it's gonna, I think, gonna, has been sort of an idea floated around and it. And it definitely touched on this week and i think it's going to very much continue to be in the show is like who are all these wars for again is there really are they worth it can war ever be worth it right for for goals like Mm -hmm. this where it's like i want to be king i want to be queen like is that worth sending thousands of people to die for um probably not probably almost never no and especially when uh and Rhaenyra makes a point about this when dragons are involved because Damon's like oh we got like a bunch of fucking essentially nukes we got we got a, we got a bunch of living nukes so we're gonna use our 14 against their three we're gonna wreck shit she's like yeah I guess but what if we uh, didn't because when as you say I think she quotes her dad or something and she was like yeah when dragons fight like everybody burns everything burns he's like they're horrible monsters and forces of nature isn't like they're hardly animals as much as they are just like a fuck like yeah like a storm attacking yeah like, you can't do anything yeah like you said like i think nukes is a pretty apt comparison because she basically is like yeah you ever heard of mutually assured destruction <laughs> like if, <laughs> yeah. if we have two armies of dragons like going at each other yeah everything will burn how do, a battlefield between two dragons devolves into just fire and everything dies like mm-hmm. it, this this won't end well even if she wins, she'll just be queen of the ashes. And what kind of what kind of queen is that? Yeah, yeah. Just, you That's know. what she says. She doesn't want to rule over bone and ash. Um, which is, yeah, I think really apt is that like if this is able to go to its full extent, so much destruction will be wrought that like would it really it'll be a whoever ends up potentially winning, it's gonna be like a period victory, right? Of like, oh, I get to be king of a of a massively diminished country. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, on the brink of collapse. Yeah. One of the things I was somewhat disappointed by is that um, there's no scene here between Eric and Arik, um, which there is in the book. There's a scene where they like meet one last time and they like, um, I don't know, it's really cool. They like affirm their love for each other. They're like, brother, I love you. I really do, but I got to do what I got to do. And he's like, I got to do what I got to do. I, I love and respect you, but this is this is where we cross, you know, this is where our paths diverge. And they like, you know, they leave with the knowledge that uh, when next they meet, they'll they'll be enemies, um, which I think has a lot of potential as like a cool, impactful yeah. moment. And they didn't do it, <laughs> even though they were both there. I'm fairly I, sure. No, they definitely were. I thought they were going to. They do never it. really focus on the King's Guards that uh, Otto has brought, but I would. I'm fairly confident one of them was him because you can see his, his long hair. I think, but yeah, that's a bit of a shame. 
Yeah, I think the first I'm looking at right now, I think the first one behind Oh, um, he I think he only brings one Kingsguard for that matter. Those other guys are just like um soldiers. Yeah, just like high tower soldiers because they've got green cloaks, which would make sense. You'd think you'd leave most of them with the king. If if Rhaenyra has three and he brought three, then there's only one left with the actual not even. They, I don't know. They already they've already placed him with Kristen Cole, but they probably haven't filled Kristen Cole's spot, right? Like there's no, no one anyways. So but yeah. Um slightly disappointed by that, but what are you gonna do? I did like, did you notice that uh Sir Eric's sword is like it's kind of different. It's, he's got like a pirate cutlass almost with the hand. Yes, I did notice that some of their the high tower swords were different. I that was, that was interesting. I like like looking at swords. Swords are great. You can't go wrong with swords. And an interesting thing I noticed, I we didn't really talk about during the birth, but during when she's having her labors, it'll cut to her dragon's like face, but like just its mouth, and it'll do that a couple times. Like you can feel her pain. Yeah. And I was like, kind of wonder. Do you think that's the implication I, there? That they're that closely connected, I, I believe so. I kind of think that's cool because they because that's like why. Because I've heard that said like in like I keep remembering him, but he's like the only best one. They all shift F, alt shift X videos. Like he'll talk about how like there's some stuff like in like the world of ice and fire that implies that the the during high during like Valyria they like did weird hybrid experiments and like crossed like dragons and people. Yeah. And that's maybe why the uh, like um, Targaryens, some of them are like immune to fire, and like have such. They, and they're the ones who always control the dragons because there's like some kind of magical bond between them. That's why they're better than others. Uh, interesting. So maybe I'll touch on that in this show. Uh, and I think it kind of shows up later. I'll talk. Maybe I'll mention it with uh, mm-hmm. the the ending scene with Lucerys, But we, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. So uh, next scene. So they're still debating this back and forth. Um, Rhaenyra's kind of like, I really think maybe we could take these terms instead of just destroying this country. And um, you're just seeing where this, this is one of the one of the shittiest things Damon's done thus far, which is saying something, is they have this fight, they clear out the room, and he like attacks her. He like chokes her uh, yeah. violently, which is not really not on. Um, nope, I don't know. It's, it's somehow to me, it's more sinister than almost anything else he's done all season, right? Like it's one thing mm-hmm. to like be, be kind of crazy and like, you know, violent especially when you're at war like it's one thing to cut a, a, a crab feeder in half or something and drag him around like that's pretty horrific but okay it's one thing to cut off mm-hmm. Vayman's head when he's when he's shit talking your wife um it's another thing to like assault your your wife who's also the queen um now that you you supposedly profess to because you like disagree with her like i don't know it's pretty full on and it's really again showing these kind of cracks of like what does damon really want here is he like it, it almost feels like he's so close to the power now that he's kind of go into his head like yeah. he maybe he didn't fully appreciate or realize how hard it would be to to play second fiddle to Rainier like this until now now that he's confronted with it right you know that he has to because like there's yeah i i kind of thought they were going to be a stronger front going into this like what was it episode seven when they when they decide to get married right and she, i need mm-hmm. you damon like i need you to face the greens you and i are we're meant to burn together kind of thing. And he, he seems genuinely like, wow, this is, this is quite a lot of responsibility she's putting on me. Like, I really kind of should take this seriously. Kind of like, he seems really, uh, taken aback by the weight of it all. But now he's like, yeah, actually, fuck you. I'm going to be a dick. So, yeah. Um, she brings up the Aegon's dream there, the song of ice and fire and how she thinks that it's really important actually for the realm to be together for that so that they can face the threat. But, uh, Damon doesn't know what that is. (laughs) He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You you and your daddy. She's like, oh, he didn't tell you? Uh-oh. Ooh. So he's not going to be very receptive to that unless she, she gets a chance to really lay it out for him, which is unfortunate, I think, for their side of things. 
Absolutely. But it is kind of weird because it's like Damon was the heir for so long. You'd think if Viserys was serious about that, he would he would hand it over. But and it really it kind of introduces an interesting element to this of like we know as the audience that that's real because of you know Game of Thrones. But these characters do not and will not ever have a chance to to learn the truth of all that, right? So it's right. cool. It'll be cool to see how like if Rhaenyra is really driven by that as a as a motivation, um, you know how that's going to inform her decision stuff and how she's probably going to meet some, some conflict as a result of it. Cause everyone around her is going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, no, like what are you, you're going to, you're basing this all off of like this weird dream your dad had or whatever. And she'd be like, no, it was, yeah. a dream that, it was a dream that my great, great grandfather had. Oh, cool. It's very helpful. Yeah, so nothing. So it's, so it's could be just a lie or changed a hundred time. Um, so what, it, and then, uh, this does the sea snake yeah. arrive. Yep, snake. Chorus arrives and he's, laying there and his wife's there and he makes a joke and then his wife yells at him and he's like, oh, well, fuck, I wouldn't have made a joke if I was going to get yelled at. Uh, and then she's like, you kind of just bounce when you want to go fight and then our son and daughter died like in succession with each other within like a week. So that wasn't cool. And he's like, hmm, all right, sorry about that. What if I helped Rhaenyra? Would that change your mind? Well, no, she's at like, first Maybe. he's like, you were right all along, Rhaenys. We should just fuck off and not pick sides in this. Let's just Take yeah. our grandchildren and live in uh in high tide and just sit this one out. That'll be sweet. And she's like, "Are you a are you a fucking idiot?" Which well, is classic, classic married couple type situation, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "You were right all along," and she's like, "No, I wasn't. You're a fool. <laughs> You're a fool for thinking that." He's like, oh, "What am I to what do? You, what are you talking about? Are you? An, are, did I marry a man or a moron?" <laughs> You goddamn! You were a rock of a man. You simpleton. <laughs> and, and she's like, "No, actually, we don't have a choice." Um. Which is definitely kind of true of like, you're, you know, our grandchildren are inexorably tied to this family, whether you like it or not, right? Um, you know, the, and she, even she, which is maybe the first time that she's fully kind of like, we don't really see much of her dynamic with the boys, but she does say that like in this scene, our grandchildren, Joffrey, um, Lucerus and Jaceris, they're like, they are, you know, they are tied to this for whether you like it or not. They, you know, if Aegon gets his way, basically the high towers are never going to let them safe. And, um, you know, I think the same thing applies. They don't say that, but the same thing definitely applies to Bela and Reyna, right? Course, as we yeah. see in this episode, they seem to be big fans of Rhaenyra's. Like they would follow her on of their own volition. I think if, you know, if it came to that and also they're betrothed to her two sons. So it's kind of, yeah, they're all in this together at this point that, you know, the connections have been forged too closely to to back out now, right? You know, Rainier was married to their son. Damon was married to their daughter. Now they all have grandchildren that are married to each other. Like it's all it's all one thing at this point, regardless. So um, they decide to to stick it out. They're gonna they're gonna be on Rainier's team going forward, which is interesting. So uh, when that the next scene there is Corliss comes and shows up and he's like, oh, this is a cool. This is a nice table you've got here. Um, I don't know. I, what is, what's your plan really though? Is this going to work? And she's like, well, maybe it'd work if you helped. And he's like, oh, am I helping now? Oh, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't told. I wasn't made aware that I was helping. She's like, well, these guys swore to me and and you swore to me. You were there. I remember. And he's like, good point. I guess I will help <laughs> on you. That, and to that, to that end, I will help you. I'm well on board. It was a test. I swear. Let's go. Let's get after it. It's going to be a good time. Um, but that's Man. when they decide to uh, send out the boys. Uh, Jason, Jacob. Jace, Jake, Jake and Luke, a couple of homies. Uh, Jake and Luke couple are like, "Hey, we should go. You should let us go fly." Well, really, really, Jace. Um, I know. Or sorry, really, yeah, Jace. Fuck, Jace. Yeah, Jace. You're God. Right. What names they show, man? Uh, Luke does not seem as receptive to it, but he's he's gonna 
he's going to get after it, I guess. So they're going to send them to uh, to Luke is going to go to uh, Storm's Zen, End, and then Jace is going to go to Air the the Vale, and then Winterfell. So he's taking a nice long ride all the way up to the north. I, I th- no, I think there's a third one going to Winterfell. No, no, no he's going to the Vale then Winterfell. Okay, yeah, I believe that's what we say. Uh, I thought I saw three dragons depart when they all leave. There's three people who aren't dragons when they like when they all like split up. But maybe I think maybe she does give him two things to give. I don't remember. Yeah, he's gonna give one to one to her cousin and they right in the veil, and then her mom's cousin, and then onward to Winterfell because you know he's got to go past it basically anyway. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Sunset is the other direction. Uh, yeah, I think it's the other direction. It's shorter yeah, distance. Yeah, shorter distance. So um, and this is straight out of the book. So she tells them. She said. Again, this whole time she's still trying to avoid actual all-out war if she can. So she says, "Well, under like you know the traditions and everything of 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 our world here, you can't um you can't go as soldiers if you're going to carry these messages. You can't show up and want to fight or anything. You have to travel truly as messengers. So no no roughhousing when you get there, boys." And they're like, "All right, cool, mm-hmm. we're fine with that." Um, and they promise to her as their queen that that does what they're going to do. So they head out. Um. What else do we have? We had something between then and now, right? Oh, yes. I think this is the part where Damon oh, yeah. call. goes in the basement and forgets his some he's got some he's got something cooking down there. So he talks about at one point in this episode that they have more grown dragons straight up, right? So when you compare them to the, um the greens, they have um his dragon, Rhaenyra's dragon, as well as Dragon. dragon, and then you know their their sons are coming up, and Bela's got a dragon that's coming up, and then there's also the dragons that they would have access to that are either unclaimed or um have like their riders have gone, which would be obviously uh, Sea Smoke, and I think there's a couple other ones on the drag on on um Dragonstone which were either went unclaimed or had riders who have died, kind of thing, right? That he talks about, mm-hmm. including Vermithor, who is a big one uh quite quite an old one probably this maybe the second oldest one um yeah that's what i was thinking because its it teeth looked very old who is yeah yeah only balerion and vagar were larger um and obviously balerion's dead so um he's like 100 years old so he was uh jaharis's dragon oh he seems very deep underground i don't know how how do you get in and get out Oh, like, is there like a wood hole? I don't know. Don't they don't they go yeah. into the volcano, like into the top of it? Kind of deal. Can no, I, I guess I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Well, I thought lava kills them. Yeah, but maybe there's like inside the in inner, like not swimming through the lava, but maybe there's oh, it's in like in the there. vent. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, but so he's but trying that's... to he's trying to get Vermithor on their side because he's a big old dragon. Yeah, he's singing some kind of song to like soothe it. It's yeah, he's singing in in. Uh, I think. I'm watching yeah. the scene you're talking about. There is three dragons flying around here when they leave. I can't tell who the third one would be, though. It might be um like Bela seeing them right. off, maybe. You know what I mean? Because she, yeah, maybe she's seen know. her betrothed leave. Um, I don't know. Hold on. Do we get a good look? You can cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah. Maybe Bela is accompanying him all the way. I don't know. That's never said, but. Um, yeah, Luke goes off one direction and Jace and the other dragon go off another. So that's my guess at the moment, maybe. Um, but, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, he tries that and then we don't really see how it, what, what happens there, right? It just kind of ends, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. He's, he, yeah, he lights up the whole thing with his, it's a big, real, real big cavern that they're in though. So 
he can get out somehow, I guess. Oh, yeah. Right, but that's cool. I mean, again, like, Damon definitely does some questionable stuff this episode, but this is kind of a moment of, like, again, at least on paper here still, he's he's supporting his wife, niece, in her in her thing here, right? He's This is all her cause, essentially. So, you know, this is a pretty cool moment of, like, he goes down there and puts himself at risk, potentially, to, to you know, um, secure something that's going to help them in their cause, right? So that's that's cool. Again, whatever else, he, he really does seem to mostly be ride or die for his family. So he's like, you know what? This is helpful to our cause. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put myself at risk here. And then we get up to the last uh, last sequence of this episode, right? Right, Which of course. Is, um, so our boy Luke rolls up to uh, Storm's End um, to bring the message, right? And... Uh, when he arrives, he he realizes that uh, he's he's not the only dragon there. Him and uh, what is it, Veramax? I don't know. They all have the same fucking names. No, it's it's Rx. RX. Okay, good stuff. Um, but he sees that Vagar is there. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh oh, the last guy you want to be there is the guy who cut whose eye you cut out when you were exactly, a kid. which means Amon's in there. So he goes and he brings the message to uh, Boros Baratheon. Um, and I who can't I read? say that's an interesting detail, huh? <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. I mean, not it's a, he's a Baratheon, so it's not that crazy because they're kind of rocks. Yeah, they are a bit of rocks yeah. of men. It's kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, it's very funny, like especially from this, the perspective of like you know he's a lord, he's highborn, he you know one of the high lords even like of anyone in the whole world who in their you know in in their medieval type setting here. There's going to be lots of dudes who aren't literate right most people would never have a chance mm-hmm. um to learn to read he of course does he would have had private tutors of the highest kind if, if he wanted and i guess he just neglected his whole life to read <laughs> he was like eh, whatever who cares? He, he was having more fun doing anything else i guess whatever other fun activities a lordling can get up to so good stuff um he's real real, real jerk <laughs> it's the worst um it's yeah let's say that you know like his, unlike his dad, who was kind of cool, he's uh he's a bit more hot-headed and belligerent. Um, so the dad is the one who swore to Rhaenyra, and so she sends this message to be like, "Hey, dude, don't you remember? You should follow me." And I think his pride gets in the way of this, and he basically is like, "Actually, I don't like the idea of being ordered around. So screw you. Um, <laughs> I'm just not." And also, um. They sent Amund with a promise that Amund would marry one of their daughters, right? So, which is good, good for him, I guess. I don't know, dude. It's always so weird. This, you know, the politics of this time period of just like, because it's, I, I feel like it's all more about appearance than anything else, right? Mm, is that yeah. really a politically savvy move for him to be like, well, if you marry my daughter, that's good for me because I, I don't know, right? It looks good, yeah. Because he's not like it's not like his son's gonna rise up. It's just right. like his daughter's gonna be a wife to his name, the brother of the king. It just means that like I guess one day, but again, yeah, the brother of the king as well. It's not even like well, one day someone who's my descendant by you know is gonna make the. It's just like yeah, my grandson will be will not have my name, mind you, but he'll he'll be my grandson and he'll be the the king's brother's son. That's cool, I guess. It's good for me. Like I don't, I don't get what you benefit really, but it's all just the. This is the bullshit game they all have to play, um, and and Luke has to be like, well, I'm, I'm already betrothed, so I it can't be me. Um, I feel like someone who th- thought a little quicker on their feet <laughs> might be like, well, I literally have three other brothers who aren't betrothed, so maybe we could work something out. But now he's just, yeah, like, yeah, no, sorry, uh, sorry, because I can't, because I can't help you. I mean, that's what, that was my first thought. I was like, you literally have three brothers, dude. Like, 
Maybe be like, oh, maybe we could work something out if you if you remember. Doesn't he have four brothers? brothers? Well, he has four brothers, but his older brother is also. Oh, his other, right, his other brother's patrol. Three brothers that that are open. Yeah, yeah, they're still wide open. <laughs> so wide open, and it's not like they're like, oh, we'll just. It's not like he's a boy, so they're like, hey, marry him when he's like ten, and then when he's fifteen, they'll have sex. Who cares? Yeah, you can do whatever horrible shit they do in this world. <laughs> yeah, just the most degenerate things. But you know, maybe we, maybe we can give him a pass because his uh, crazy uncle, who's Ahi cut out when he was like six, is there, and he was kind of thrown off by that, and his big fucking dragon. Um. But yeah, I guess the idea was like, you know, they Rhaenyra said that like, oh, he's kind of a proud guy, but he'll be so honored by the idea by seeing a by by accepting a prince of the realm that he'll just probably do whatever you ask of him. Um, but clearly they didn't expect that a different prince would be there earlier. And if he is this proud guy who's just kind of like temperamental and belligerent and not really all that smart know, smart, then he totally would just be convinced by like, well, this guy's already the king, I think. I don't I don't need to look much past that. So <laughs> I think if the king's brother's here and then you're a pretender's queen's son, I mean you're this guy's kind of cooler. <laughs> so I'm gonna pick him. Um and so that's that's that. That's not cool. Looks like Baratheons have gone with uh with the greens, right? Yeah. So it's like uh you just gotta bring back some poor news, I guess. Yeah, those Baratheons and those Targaryens are often tied together. Yeah, they are. Well, the first tar- the first Baratheon was maybe a Targaryen. Yes, that's, that's what I've heard. It's I think I've I watched them with George R. R. Martin when someone made the point that like it seems that every time a Baratheon takes a throne, like magic kind of disappears, and every time a Targaryen takes it back, like magic returns. And he's like, oh yeah, and, he, and George R. R. Martin Benz is like, oh yeah, the first Baratheon was like a possibly a bastard and. They're like they're always they always kind of marry with each other and they, they always kind of go back to that well. Look how George R. R. Martin says that, as if he didn't make it all up. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe they're. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I made I wrote the whole fucking thing. So, but yeah, the first Baratheon was um, Aegon the Aegon the Conqueror's hand of the king, who was maybe his bastard brother. So yeah, they and then like, but even like Rhaenys, right? Her. Her mom was a Baratheon, so she's kind of a Baratheon by blood and stuff. Like, that doesn't mm-hmm. come into play, clearly, because this guy's a jerk. But <laughs> um, So he heads out. Um, but before that, Aemon gets real real feisty, and he's like, actually, before you go, um, you should cut your eye out, which like totally reasonable request, right? Totally yeah. reasonable thing to do. He's like, I don't do it. Here's, let me throw the knife kind of halfway towards you. You're going to... You should... You should you're totally gonna like grovel at the floor to to pick that up and then cut your own eye out with it right here in front of us all. That's a totally reasonable thing to do. Yeah. Um, he just says all he can muster is just no, which I mean better than nothing. Good on you, Luke. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'd, again, I'd be pretty scared if I was him. He's clearly in over his head, right? Yeah. Um, He's in a very hostile environment, and is the, the the guy who hates him the most is gearing up on him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It really is. That's not everything's pretty stacked against him, right? And the. You know, Baratheon has not come down on his side either, so he's got he's got reason to be a little afraid. Um, right. Also, I thought it was weird because like Aemon's like, "Oh, take it," and he oh, and he flips up his eye patch like Nick Fury, and he's got like a gem in his eye. Yeah. Socket. But it's like, buddy, you're wearing an eye patch. Who's gonna see it? Who's that for? You? I don't know. It's a good point, but it's that's straight out of the book. Is that he put a sapphire in his eye? Um, it looks cool. It's a very cool image. Like, yeah, it is a, a cool scar. Image. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. Like, what the hell is it for? 
Um, I guess maybe it's one of those things where it's just like you don't want a hole in your face. <laughs> it's better to just yeah. fill it with something. And if you're a little, if you're a prince, I guess you'll put something cool in it, like a big gemstone. So imagine he was a, like, I guess this dirty river rock, shove that shit in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a prince, so he gets to put a fancy gemstone and yeah. all cool um, and terrify people when the time is right. Uh, this luckily, should have done that. Yeah, he should have, like, we should have had a big ruby in his face. That would have been sweet. I don't know why yeah. he didn't go ruby. I mean, he's a Targaryen. I don't know what would have possessed him to go blue, but um, luckily, Boros here is like, well, this is a step too far. I'm not going to have you maim a, a, <laughs> a fucking teenager in my courtroom here, so how about you just chill? Um, fellas, take him out. Um, see him to his dragon and send him off and yeah. it'll be it. Yeah. Uh, so that's the that's the way it goes, right? So he heads out. Yeah. It's it, it's now storming for proper dramatic effect. Yeah, it's at the end of the storm. I mean, that's where he is. And uh, he's like, "Where's Vagar? Where'd Vagar go?" Oh, <laughs> I'll head out. Um, so he just starts flying away. That's pretty much it. Uh, but then Vagar's there. Um, and this is a really interesting kind of kind of scene. I think, uh, as you said, we both kind of knew what was coming here. Or did we? Was that before the episode? Whatever. No, I, that was before the episode. We right, hadn't recorded. We started recording. Um. Obviously, I knew it was common, and you you had also some knowledge of this event. But it's cool to see it play out, nonetheless. Um, yeah, it's visually, it's, I mean, hearing, like, oh, because the way I heard about it was just like, oh, yeah, there was a point in the dance where, like, an uncle, like, chases his nephew down on his big dragon, and he kills him. And when you don't know any of the names, you have no context, you go, oh, that, that's, that's very Game of Thronesy. And then you have all this context where it's like, oh. And it's much more tense when you're like, is it, when, is this, is that, are they going to do it this way? They change something, is going to change this thing? Oh. I like the build up. They do it very well. Like, oh, I totally agree. They make Vega out to be a huge, basically a giant shark. Ascent, like, it's crazy, right? Because, um, would you say his name? Yeah, Arax is his dragon. Yeah, Arax. It's not a particularly small. Dra- I mean, it is. It's it's relatively small as far as dragons go. Yeah, but I mean, it's big enough to carry him around. It's quite impressive. It's big enough for like most people, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's compared to a man. It's monstrously huge, right? But then you see it compared to Vagar, and it's it is yeah, unbelievably small, right? Like Vagar, it's like, it's like a fish, it's like so a small huge. fish. Uh, but he does have the the one advantage of that is that he his dragon is smaller and also younger and and faster for all those reasons. So he tries to kind of get away from it. So basically, this whole scene is is at least the what we're meant to understand. And I, I would say that like the show uh, definitely like wants us to understand that for the most part, Aemon is just trying to terrorize him, I think, a little. Like yeah. Just fuck with him. Um I I honestly wonder if Aemon even wanted him to actually cut his eye out, right? Or if he just delighted in the idea of just fucking with this kid enough. Yeah, just scaring the shit out of him. Because there's also kind of the moment like when it happened, right? A few episodes back, he 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 had that moment where he was like, ah, it's not even a big deal. I got this dragon, so I think it's worth it. <laughs> And I honestly think he maybe still feels that way. So I don't know how mad he is or if he's just kind of a dickhead and thinks this is kind of fun. Um, yeah, he, he also calls him, to add on to it, he also calls him Lord Strong yeah. when he arrives. Yeah, which he, he just always poking and prodding at him. And he knows he can because obviously Luceris isn't old enough. He's not like Jace who probably would have stood up to his uncle. Uh-huh. He's like he's still the youngest and he's like kind of just out of his depth and very, like you said, very scared. So he's like, ah, just do whatever I want. And this kid... This, Jack, Jack, shit. Sorry, I bumped my cord. All right, yeah, you're good. But yeah, and it's definitely exacerbated by the idea that like he's also. I, I mean, I've I've said before this is a weird thing I fixate on sometimes, but um, I think 
Eamon's actor is even older than he he ought to be by a few years, maybe. So it's just their gap is even huger. Eamon is a a grown ass man. Where I think in the book he's maybe closer to like early twenties. I mean he's he's in his twenties, but whatever. Yeah, like it is. It's a pretty big difference. Um, in that Eamon is this militant, like he does. He's not necessarily an, uh, experienced in war, but he's well trained and he's definitely more intimidating. And you know, Luke has already agreed to not fight. So he's got no defense. Like he's really on the back foot here, and um, it basically comes to a head when, in this whole little chase, uh, Arax gets too angry or too scared, whatever, and out of Luke's control, and he he fires on a uh, on a uh, Vegar a little, and then that pisses off um, Vegar too much to where he's out of um, Aemon's control, which is kind of interesting because it's the two ends of the spectrum. I think is that. Mm. Um, Arax is young and and still kind of like adolescent, right? And then Vagar is just old and like ornery and doesn't really care one or the other much. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is that both of them, uh, both Luke and Aemond, are not as experienced of dragon riders as they, you know, could oh, be. would like to be. Um, and so, <laughs> kind of gets out of hand. And uh, basically, Vagar reacts violent to that, except because Vagar is huge, um, it just just bites Arax in half. It just rips him apart like one bite. Like it's a very cool scene because obviously they they like really string up before they knock you up before they knock you down. Because Arax fires on Vagar and he escapes up through the storm into the clouds out like above it. Yeah. And it's this beautiful shot of him above the clouds with all the sun, and then he's flying, and then up from below, just the humongous Vagar, and it's too late. He can't move quick enough. He can't dive because he's he can't he can't fly up quick enough. He can't move around. He just grabs him, rips him apart, and then flies away. And Amon's kind of in, in kind of in horror oh, yeah. of like what's happened. It's okay. gone. It's clearly gone. Like you said, way more than he ever anticipated. And he can't come back from this. He just yeah. killed her son and a dragon. Like uh, yeah. So I, this is interesting to me. So I I'll confess before the before I actually saw the episode, I saw someone on Twitter make mention of how this event was changed in the show because it was made into more of an accident, and I I was a little uh, skeptical of that. I was like this again because as I said last week, there in some ways it feels like I know that they've been criticizing again. Certain people have been criticizing the show for doing this to Veneera's side of things, but this is now two in a row where I felt like they were. Um, doing that for the green side of things like like changing mm-hmm. things to make them look favorable and and kind of whitewashing their involvement so i was like all right they're gonna make it an accident how is that gonna work um but actually seeing it play out in the episode here um the thing is like it's not much of an accident right yeah it's basically like he it went farther than he expected but he still did mean to chase him around with his dragon and terrorize him right and so mm-hmm, yeah kind of should have known that this was a potential outcome of it is that maybe it would escalate beyond what he was capable of doing. And he probably should be aware of the idea that maybe he doesn't have complete control over Vagar like he would with a dragon that he had, you know, bonded with from birth or something. Right. Yeah. You know, this dragon that who, who's like 200 years old that he, you know, he's only been bonded with for a handful of years himself and all like, maybe it's not a good idea to get two animals who are if smart enough, I guess, but not, they're not literally like rational, you know, fucking human beings. Maybe, having them chase each other around and, and get real fucking excited isn't the isn't the move <laughs> yeah yeah just make one really really scared and it's rider very scared so it like a horse it just becomes more erratic i'm sure that couldn't go wrong i'm sure they're not going to make any yeah. kind of erratic decisions there will they no so yeah 
basically I'm like, I do think it's interesting and I think it fits very much with what they've been doing for this whole season that they introduce a little bit of gray to it. Right. They, you know, they fill in those kind of gray spaces of like, Oh, he didn't mean to do it. Like, gosh, that's tough. But he also did mean to fuck with him and chase him around. And then it's like, well, this is kind of a natural consequence of that, (laughs) that you could have easily foreseen. Right. It's got, it made me think of like siblings, which I'm sure you have experience with, right? Oh, yeah. And an older brother is like you wrestling or fighting or whatever with your siblings. And then suddenly it goes too far. And now fucking now your little brother's crying. Right. And then it's like, what's your defense in that situation? Right. Yeah, it's like, well, I didn't mean for him to do that. It's like, well, you were fucking with him. I didn't mean for him to cry. <laughs> like That's basically what it comes down to, right? It's like, well, I know I was wrestling with him and I know we were like punching and fighting and like, but I didn't think he was going to cry about it. It's like, so you did, yeah. you did punch him though, like on purpose. I was like, well, yeah, but like, I didn't think he was going to be a bitch about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I punched him in the head, but you know, I thought he was going to like take it. But he was going to take it. Why is he, he was like crying. I didn't know. Like, that's kind of what's happened here. It's like, so did you mean to chase your nephew around with the big dragon? Well, yeah, I mean, I did. I did get on the dragon and chase him around a bunch. <laughs> it's like, oh, and then the dragons basically got out of control and and took over, you know, themselves. And now, now we're here, and this is this is what we got to deal with. Cool. Um, and then it, you know, comes into the final episode of the season here, or the final scene of the season, rather. Sorry, where uh, Damon delivers the news to her, and uh, it's cool. This is this is a cool kind of artistic sort of scene. No, no dialogue, no sound, right? Just uh, we just people give the news in her face, and, and it's all through the performances here. Um, and she like stumbles; she like barely is able to keep herself upright, and then like you know, quite quickly composes herself and uh turns back to the camera and you you know she's got death in her eyes right oh yeah so this whole episode when she's been trying to maintain peace and and you know there's that really cool quote from um rainius where it's like everyone around the table painted table is you know like whatever she says like you know going for war and she's the only one who's trying to keep it in, in check it's a really i like that shot as well where yeah. like she's like sitting in the chair and she's all like all these guys are arguing around each other about like, oh, fucking, it's going to be sick. We're going to fill up so many graves. We got to fill up more graves. The other guy, am I right? Ha ha. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's it was so like, weird. yeah, war's about filling graves. You just got to fill more graves than them. Am I right? And it's like, Jesus, you're talking about human lives. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah. And clearly that's all out the window. Right. I think we're meant to understand that it's off. It's on now. Like no holds barred. Um, they've taken it too far. And Rainier is not going to, not gonna seek that like sort of middle ground anymore because you've killed her fucking son so oh yeah what do you what do you do I'm going back here like there's no there's no backing down now it's it's all out war i think in the next season here oh, yeah and but you know all i have to do is wait a year and a half to see it yeah it's it's tough <laughs> that is tough <laughs> very much so um but i really like i i think in that way that it is kind of uh it is kind of interesting that they added that ambiguity of like, this wasn't quite intentional because again, I just think it's more fitting with the vibe they've gone with, with the show so far that like this moment, which is maybe the most important moment in the season, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in to a certain extent of like all these other things have happened and, and they've been building and building. And then this is like, this is very much the point of no return, right? Because, you know, again, this whole episode, she was maybe thinking about it and, and, it really did seem like maybe we can find that like peaceful solution. And even me, I was like, gosh, maybe that would be all right. Like as much as I was like, Oh, I want Rainier to win. Right. I was kind of like having not a lot of people die. That is the, I think that is the, you know, 
you know, philosophically speaking, the the best solution best scenario. to this trolley problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, oh, it'd be nice. I, obviously, I, I mean, we all knew where it was going, but still, I was kind of hoping against hope. Like, maybe they couldn't. Maybe she couldn't just live on Dragon Snow. That wouldn't be so bad. That'd be okay, right? Yeah, with their kids, it's no one gets hurt. Don't have to die. Uh, but now we're yeah. This is the this is clearly the point of no return. We're like now it can only it's only ending one way. Like there's no. There's no other no other way it can go now. Like it's yeah, it's just very much like this watershed moment of like how could she, how can she possibly back down now, right? Like, mm-hmm. and again, she was the only one who was like trying to be temp, you know, trying to be a little tempered and like maybe not not do it. And now she is probably going to be the most like ferocious of them all, right? Oh yeah, it, it's very much in the vein of uh, Rambo. They drew first blood. They drew first blood. Yeah. And she, cause yeah, that's what she said all episodes. She's like, if, if it's going to go to war, I'm not going to do it. And she didn't, they, her side did not attack first. They did. They killed yeah. her fucking son in like a real cowardly kind of way too. Like he had, he had guess right. Right. He was there as an, as an envoy, as like a messenger. He didn't take up arms. He didn't do anything. I mean, I guess if we got very technical with it, his dragon attacked first, but yeah, that's grand scheme of things. Only because he was chased for like however long. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's only going to be known to, to Amon himself and no one else, right? No one else. Yeah, he's not going to be like, well, actually, I was in the wrong. He'd be like, yeah, it's crazy. You attacked me. Uh-oh. Uh, anyway. But I just know how compelling that's going to be. Like, I do think that, you know, in a world where we have sort of the, the honor and all this, that it's probably could be compelling to to people to maybe bring them over to Rhaenyra's side going forward here. It's like, look what they did. Like, that's, that's pretty, pretty yeah. unacceptable. So that's tough, man. We're going to war, I think. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, very exciting. Yeah, I can't. It's tough that it's going to be so long now, but you know, now that we're here at the end of it all, what do what do we think of this season, Jack? I think it was very good. I think it was, you know, exactly the kind of boost this uh, Song of Ice and Fire, because we can call it franchise, needed. Because every, I think everybody's back on board. Yeah, like, for real. You know, if you were if you were like hesitant and you watched, you were like, nah, it's just. This is like old school Game of Thrones, but with really more dragons. Yeah. You didn't have to wait. You didn't have to wait a, a one season to just have him be born. Like, you got to see him off the rip, do some crazy shit. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right. Is that like, you know, Game of Thrones season eight left a lot of, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And so they have all these spinoffs. And, you know, I remember the vibe for a while there from certain people was like, but who even cares? They're talking about, oh, like, we're, we have five different spinoffs, blah, blah, blah. Like, who's going to watch any of these? And, uh, yeah, I think they they did they did well with this. They they got a really solid win right out the bat, right? So now, like, I think people are going to be pretty receptive to this stuff going forward. Um, I I had a thought, yeah, and I'm curious to see your take on this. I think I think this season is better than season one of Game of Thrones, and I honestly think it might be better than any one single season of Game of Thrones. I think obviously its weakness is its is its length right so like mm-hmm. game of thrones has higher highs because it has seasons worth of build up in some cases in payoff which can't be replicated in a single 10 episode run like this but i think maybe as far as in terms of writing in terms of like telling a self-contained sort of story um you know i've talked all season long about this idea of like uh, you know it being what it's being adapted from and, and all that and how that's going to affect the, the story that they tell and all this um, but one of the things is that like they really can take their time with it and it's kind of all up to them because of what they're adapting, right? Whereas with Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. they really have to cut a lot of corners because it's just such a massive volume that they're trying to 
put onto screen, right? Whereas this is like, if anything, they really kind of took their time with this and, and, you know, really stretched it out to to an extent almost, which means that they really got to flesh out the characters. And, you know, it's definitely too, I think, to this season's strength that it is focused so heavily on this family and, you know, really a, a handful, like two or three character dynamics in, in a big way. Um, and I do think like going forward, now that it's we, we've expanded out to this, you know, kingdom-wide conflict that's going to bring in all the great houses and everything mm-hmm. and things are going to you know definitely expand out we're going to get more characters and, and you know more more of the different lords and, and ladies and stuff who are going to fill out the, these factions and, and be prevalent going forward but this season in particular it's so kind of like laser focused on this one family and i know that's actually made it like some people have critiqued that of like it feels so much smaller than game of thrones but i honestly think maybe it was to its strength i would have to agree uh, because then I think more time on the plot lines means they don't have to like sacrifice one for the other. Yeah. There's definitely points in a game of Thrones episode where it cuts to somebody you don't really care about, or they're not like an interesting point of their story. So it's like, uh, Tyrion will be something cool. And then I'll cut to Daenerys and Daenerys isn't at the point wherever she is, where she does like her cool thing. So it's like, uh, I got to go through this boring part of Essos or whatever. And this was very much not that it was always, you know, stayed, it was always pretty, every episode had a couple of like intense points that like, oh, this is a cool point and this is a cool point and it always drove the story. Yeah. Every, uh, so yeah. Every week you had absolute certainty that they were going to move forward these plots in a satisfying way because it's all just the same couple plots. Like, they're, yeah. Mm-hmm. You never have to worry that like, oh, I hope, I hope Bernier gets enough play this week. I hope they don't do too much, you know, boring like Arya plot because it's like, no, it's all Rhaenyra. Like, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's all it can be. It's all it will be. So yeah, I'm a really huge fan. Um, I had high expectations going in, and I was I had succeeded it. I I'm really really pleased to have it. Like you said, that to be back in the world of of it all is really exciting. Um, again, it would be more exciting if we didn't have to wait now, fucking two years. So I don't. Gosh, that is gonna be tough because I also think like even though they do have other spinoffs in the works, I don't know that any of them are going to show up in the next year. Right. Like, I think maybe I don't think so. This is still the next thing we have on the horizon is season two of this in 2024, but overall real solid. Good. Oh, absolutely. Good, good season all the way through. Well, let's attack out of, out of house of the dragon now and into a trailer trash trailer cash, a double Marvel feature. That's right. Uh, we're going to with Ant-Man and the Ant-Man three quantumanium and, the Guardians holiday special. So, which one do you want to start with? Let's do. Didn't uh, Quantumania come first anyway? So, yeah, I don't worry. Quantumania then. Perfect. So, uh, this trailer, which before we start, I think I would have thought they would have waited till after Black Panther came out to start Phase Five shit. But what do I know? That's actually a good point. I didn't think of it like that. But because yeah, it's as you'll recall, they they're no stranger to this. Remember that's when, true. Um, the the Far From Home trailer came out before Endgame, and so everyone's like oh i guess spider-man comes back <laughs> like we do but still it, it's yeah. a little bit of the punch out doesn't it like yeah it does just be like oh well now i know he comes back and probably other characters remove so. all shadow it's one thing to know intellectually and it's another thing to just be like here it literally is on your screen but but, but yeah. regardless uh yeah we, we got the trailer for quantumania so i would say this is another one that's kind of like it's pretty light on the story elements right it's pretty yeah. which is always what i prefer especially out of a of a first teaser it's almost kind of a screen uh, like a proof of concept for all this fucking cgi like there's a lot of it it's, it looks very good like when in the quantum realm but man 
Oh, out of it. Yeah. So basically it starts with this premise that like Scott is like kind of famous now and he's enjoying that to a new extent, which makes sense. Um, you know, he was one of the, he was critical in saving the world. Right. As the, as the, one of the, one of the Avengers there. Um, he also like is one of the few like big legacy ones that are still kicking. I mean, not few, but like, you know, grand scheme of things, he's one of the yeah. older ones. Right. If you look at the at whole, the whole track of this, right. He's been an Avenger since like, Sort of civil war, I guess, which compared to pretty far away, pretty yeah, pretty far out at this point. Yeah, yeah. So he's enjoying all that, and then uh, we do a classic like science malfunction hijinks, and oh my gosh, we're in we're in quantum realm. This is this is some quantum mania if I've ever seen it. This is a real Ant Man three, and then we get oh we get a, everybody's kind of split up. We get a little bit of snippets of the quantum realm, and uh, we see some shots of Kang. Jonathan Majors. Hey, well, there's a lot going on in the quantum realm, right? Yes, there is. That. Like, there's all kind of there's these weird, like, roving greater type characters. We don't know what they're about. A bunch of a bunch of weirdos. Um, there's like a city down there, which is like, whoa! They got a whole like civilization in the tiny realm. That's interesting. Um, which I remember after Ant-Man of the Wasp, people were kind of critical of like, what what is actually going on here? Like, was was uh Janet Janet Van Dyne just like killing bugs this whole time or whatever the hell we see her do like she just kind of walked around like doing that like was what did what did she actually get up to down there is there anything to do in the quantum realm and it turns out there's like a whole civilization maybe yeah there's heaps to do so i guess that's cool i mean i guess we know she wasn't just bored for like 30 years she actually got to do stuff um you know they got like bill murray down there man <laughs> it's like yeah they got bill murray being a an andrew lucent-esque character yeah i don't it's it's weird i don't really know what's going on it's kind of a lot to just be like, yeah, there's this whole, but I think that's, I believe that's traditionally how it's portrayed in the comics, right? That like, it is this genuine realm with, with beings living there and stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense, but also like, it's just, you know, we, we have seen it a couple times already in the MCU and we did not get this sense from it. I feel like, <laughs> but no, not, not at all. But you know, it's like anything in these days, it's like, Oh, and it was here the whole time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, oh, this actually, this is so. I just looked it up. This says that it's a amalgamation of two different realms from the comics: the quantum zone, which is kind of like I think that's maybe the one that has like genuine people living there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let me there you go. Um, and the microverse, which consists of many different subatomic dimensions all across. Oh, gosh, I just going all all accessible through the same means as they are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So. That's kind of interesting. So maybe that's that's kind yeah. of what we're seeing here. Is like before we always saw it as this kind of like abstract dimension of like energy or something. Which this says that's what the quantum zone is, the realm where all the energy of the universe comes from. Whereas the microverse is actually a bunch of subatomic dimensions where like people live. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I suppose that's it. Um, and this, oh, I didn't know this, but Wasp was trapped in the microverse during the time of her supposed death in Secret Invasion. That's classic, isn't it? No one really dies. Yeah. Right, so. <laughs> Everyone, oh, actually, we're in a portal the whole time and somewhere else. So I guess that's that's yeah, that's very clear what's happening here. I suppose is uh, yeah, if I would if I were to wager a plot guess based on this trailer is that I can kind of feel like and obviously uh, they might change it. It might not be what I'm saying, but it's a Marvel movie, so I can with some certainty guess where they're going. Is that because they're all split up and there's a scene where like Ant Man meets Kang alone? I think it's very much going to be the oh, actually, I'm a good guy. Look at all the good things I'm going to do. And then it's like, actually, Scott, he's a bad guy. And then it's going to be the liar revealed. And he's going to be like, hey, yeah, I was a bad guy the whole time. See ya. And then he beats him up. 
I think um, that seems very, very classic, doesn't it? Yeah, very Marvel, dare I say. Because, like, they got to set him up. Like, he's got to have some connection. And, yeah. And then it's kind <clears> of, <throat> we'll probably see it. Like, it'll, it'll probably reveal that he's, all that stuff he's been building up and that all those spaceships looking things and the army he probably has is, is probably uh, preparing for, for an invasion on the, on the main, the main world. Right. Because yeah, he's probably, Scott's probably going to teach him how to make like the pin particle, make himself bigger to travel. Or he already has some knowledge of it one or the other. Yeah. To know like how he's going to, yeah, bring, make all those guys full size so that he can do a, do a big fight. Um, because yeah, I mean, we know he's got to build up to that somehow, right? Of like to to show up to uh, you know, to the yeah, do the do the Kang Dynasty, do the Kang Dynasty, basically. Somehow he's got to be the the main villain for uh, the next phase here. So he's got to he's got to get big somehow. Because if he was just a bunch of tiny little guys, they would all just step on him. Yeah, they'd crush him. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess again, it's it's kind of light on story stuff, really, for the most part. So we can probably just jump right into it. Uh. Whether whether or not we think it's cash or not, Jack, and I would say um, it's pretty it's pretty trailer cash that uh, Baskin Robbins re- apologized to Scott and makes him uh, makes him a p- employee of the century at Baskin Robbins. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's my pick, Jack. I think this, this is a tra- this is a cash trailer for that fun detail alone because Baskin Baskin Robbins always finds out, but in this this time they found out that Scott Lang isn't so bad of a guy. He's a pretty stand up fella for sure. Uh, and then what's your trailer trash though? You got? Oh, geez. Well, if I had to say it was trash, Jack, it is pretty, uh, it's pretty trailer trash that, uh, gosh, I don't know. I got nothing. It's a perfect trailer. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I was, you put me on the spot. I was waiting for you to go. Oh, you know what else well, I fine, I'll like go. is like, well, I really liked Wasp's new costume. It's a bit more yellow. Yes. It's, it's more comic, comic y. Very fun. Yes. Uh, I think my trailer cash. Uh, Bill Murray, he's fun. Can't go wrong with him. My trailer trash. Um, don't get to see Jonathan Majors in a boxing outfit from Creed Three. <laughs> Should have just been in his boxing outfit. But like it's me, Kang, but he's wearing boxing gloves and boxing shorts, and he's shirtless and he's ripped and he's just intimidating Scott Lang because he's just like I'm just, I just box yeah. sometimes. I will say I, this can be my trash. I suppose I was a little disappointed because I really expected to see um Scott from a. Uh, you know, I, was it? We've somehow seen. Was it a leak or something where um, he's he's like beat to shit. He's all like his nose is bleeding and his face is off. There, there were some of those shots in the trailer. Oh, was there? Oh, it was it was like he was like running. I think in one of them, but I, there's, I watched there's like a leaked picture. Or, or I have seen that picture. Yeah. He's looking real rough, as if like Kang has just beat the shit out of him. And I think that'd be interesting. That'll be interesting to see, especially because Ant is just such like a for the most part lovable kind of goofy. A character in the MCU to have a moment where he's just yeah like really really in a bad way and yeah uh, Kang is just just putting the putting the work on him putting the moves on him, the schmoves it will be it'll be tough to see such a swell guy I don't want to see Paul Rudd get beat up but no he's he's America's sweetheart that'll really give us the stakes won't it yeah but he likes the Chiefs so how good could he be <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right we ready to pivot then into the next? yeah we can pivot out of that into the Guardians trailer, which has even less because it's just a special presentation. Oh, yeah. So the basic premise of this is that Quill's really sad that his girlfriend's dead. And he's like, oh, God, it's Christmas. My girlfriend's dead. That sucks. And all, and Madness and Drax are like, we'll cheer him up. 
we're going to go to Earth and find a do Christmas his way to get him in touch with his old culture. And they go to kidnap Kevin Bacon. That's right. So just character actor Kevin Bacon. Their gift for him on Christmas will be Kevin Bacon. <laughs> just a man they're going to take with them. And he's very frightened. They'll run away. And uh, yeah, it looks fun. I like yeah. I mean, it's a good it's a guardian thing with James Gunn. Just a lot of heart, it seems a little kind of goofy. As James Gunn has said, it's kind of like an epilogue to phase four. I don't think there's gonna be that many lore implication implications going forward. There might be an offhand comment about something here and there, but I think it's largely gonna be about this Draxamantis on Earth doing Earth things. I agree. I agree. I think it'll be mostly just kind of fun. I mean, it's a Christmas special. They can't get too uh, no, crazy, too with, crazy it. with it, right? Yeah, it's like gonna, and it's it's probably that same, um, probably that same sort of. Uh, what's it going for? Oh, like like length, like runtime, right? As a uh, Wolf by Night, Wolf by Night, probably right. It's like just about an hour. I would say I so. Would say so. Just not a whole ton to really uh, get into. So it's probably just gonna be like. But like you said, everything that we've seen out of uh, out of James Gunn in the superhero space has a, ends up having a lot of heart. On a character stuff, so and obviously Christmas time is ripe for that, isn't it? For heart, absolutely, and heart and family and all that. Oh, well, he loves that with the guardian. Doesn't he just? Doesn't he just? So I think that'll be. Uh, it should just be fun. Everyone loves the guardians. They are the fun, the most fun probably side of the MCU. So let's bring them in. And then I don't know. It probably will have some implications for Guardians Three, which will be fun to see. It's exciting. I'm I'm really interested in that story. I've been. Waiting with bated breath after uh, Endgame. I really am curious how they're going to tackle like Gabora and all that. So, and that's obviously brought up here. That's part of the reason he's so sad. So, but yeah, it'll be fun. So, I would say I read off the bat here. My 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 most cash moment in this trailer was that Groot's big again. I think that's kind of cool. Um, oh yeah, he is. I, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, he's like more full size, which uh, is cool because you know I think we've had long enough where he's kind of tiny. Like he's been building his way back up. Um, you know, we, we've gotten one or two projects with him and they're pretty much every size. Um, really, if anything, he's been like a teenager for a while now because it's been like Infinity War and Endgame and then like even into um, Thor this year, he was still that kind of size. So mm. it'd be good to see him get, get bigger again. So that's mine. All right, my trailer cash. Uh, they got the astronaut dog. Cosmo. He's a, he Cosmo. is. He's going to be like presumably actually a character to an extent. They're interacting with each other at least. And... Because in what was Guardians, Guardians, he's just in the collectors. He's just there, and then you see him at the end. It's kind of fun, but I hope I hope he talks. I'm excited for him to talk. Well, that'd be fun. He usually talks with like a weird, you know, like a voice, uh, you know, a translator collar type thing. Yeah. And he's got a Russian accent because he's a Russian dog. Ah, <laughs> oh, love Russian dog. That's going to be great. Well, maybe not in recent light, but, you know, it, there was a time where it was a novelty. <laughs> there you go. Um, I say my trailer trash is that this special will uh, fuck up the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. Why? Because it'll be, well, because he, now he's in the Marvel stuff. So now everybody who's in Marvel is like <laughs> it's a, one step. Get, oh, yeah. Gets it gets one step closer to Kevin Bacon. In the reality. Yeah. It's true. That's going to... I mean, the whole point is that it's supposed to be doable, though, right? Right. But I think I think, I think two steps. Now we've got to be like, all right, can you do it in one step? <laughs> How easy can you do can it? Can I get to Kevin Bacon in one step? Yeah. Well, I don't know anyone from Marvel, so I mean, we still need that <sighs> to do the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. This still means you need to bridge the gap from you know a normal person to Marvel actors. I think we can do that. That that can be done. Who can? 
I can't. Well, 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 we can figure it out. Okay. We'll just, we just got to go to Comic-Con and, like, Eat I don't one know, of them. assault Paul Rudd. Shake his hand, and so now we can yeah. claim him. Of Like, I know him. I shook his hand once. <laughs> That's oh, wait, then we got to... Yeah. Wait, has Paul Rudd interacted with the Guardians at all? He had to have. Oh, you know, he's in Endgame. You know, we're caught Endgame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, if, no, yeah, because Rocket, like, makes fun of him. That's direct. Oh, right. That's right. That's pretty direct. Right. So, yeah. Count that, and then we're going to go, baby. Yeah, we just got to find Paul Rudd. There you go. We got to go to a Chiefs game. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he goes to every single one of them. Won't be hard. That season ticket. Won't be hard to find. In a crowd of millions. Well, not millions. That's absurd. I don't know why I said that, but whatever. Uh, all right. All right. Well, we can right. take out of that into uh, Andor. Just first thing right off the bat. There, Tony, Tony Gilroy is the writer, correct? correct? Showrunner. Correct. I don't know if you wrote this. Showrunner. I can, I can read that up for you. All right, showrunner. But anyway, this my point remains the same. He really loved this communist manifesto. He really wanted you to think about being ungovernable because, man. Well, yeah. This, right? this, if you really get to great. Is that not what Star Wars has been about all the time? I mean, I'm going to pull the thing we always tell everyone else at this show, Jack, but it's like, it's pretty political. That's the point. It's about a big rebellion oh, yeah. against the oppressive government. I think you can connect some dots there if you want oh well yeah absolutely and i hey i'm here for it which is why in the way that one of the reasons i find it so silly people who have problems with this because it's like how are you gonna watch all of star wars and not think george lucas is on board with this it's just a little more like again not not, not to be too pretentious about it but this show has a slight slightly more like mature take on it all but at the root of it it's the same thing as Star Wars has always been about yeah this oh, in yeah. particular just... has some uh, continues to have some pretty grim full-on stuff oh yeah like this, it's not the fun. Like, oh, we're the rebellion. Oh, I'm a Jedi. I'm a, I'm the farm boy. It's like, oh no, this is like the bad stuff. Like, if you get caught, this is what happens. I'm in prison. <laughs> yeah, I got. I'm in a work prison. It's horrible space prison. <laughs> That's uh, what this episode. It's called. like, it's like Ender's Game space prison, kind of. I suppose. Is there a prison in Ender's Game? No, I'm just saying that, like, in the way that they're all like on teams and yeah, in yeah, suits oh, yeah. working together. So it's called Narkina Five, which is the the planet that they're on this week. So, um, after last week when Cassian was sentenced on nonsense trumped up charges, um, we see him getting shipped off to prison. So, um, in there, I mean, as you can imagine, the Imperial Guards are all pretty pretty rough with him, and they're not the not the nicest fellows. Um, we get there, and uh, basically the the deal with this prison is that the guards don't even really need to um need to carry weapons or really even interact with the the prisoners for that matter much at all as it turns out because the whole prison the floor is like um electric whatever yeah it'll it's like a special kind of metal yeah it's whatever they call it like uh fucking something durasteel unobtainium yeah some made-up star wars metal and so uh if you step on it it'll just zap you good um and so like that's all they need. Like again, they don't. The guards don't really need to interact with you at all. And this is, ah, gosh, it's another thing where it's like it's showing how like horrible and sinister and terrifying the emperor empire is, but in like a subtle way, which is kind of what I said last week. Of like mm-hmm. so much of like what's terrifying about the empire in a in like a horrible fascist regime like this is the way that they get other people to do their dirty work for them, right? Yeah, they pit you against you put them against each other exactly and it's this and it's why you have this world where like maybe you can't trust your husband or you can't trust you know who anyone kind of thing and, and all this and like the same thing applies here is that 
you get to this prison and like the the way they they keep everyone sort of like sated and and you know not, not even thinking about escape in this prison is that you pit them against each other you keep them working so so tirelessly that like they're you know they're all just exhausted you you create this system where you know on any given day they have the threat of like extreme violence against them basically so that no matter what happens um you know they're happy at the end of most days to have not gotten zapped right like they're still in prison but they're just like oh yeah well i didn't get shocked today so i guess that could be worse (laughs) yeah i got flavor in my feeding tube that was i was the one crazy i was like oh god i got flavor in my goop that'll be that's sweet so i'm not even worried about it really yeah the other guy didn't exactly It's, it's very much like not not literally the the Stanford prison experiment, but it's it's feeding on that kind yeah, of yeah, that kind of thing, uh, that kind of part of human, the darker part of humans, where it's like, well, you know, like even if you're all in prison, if you're doing a little better than the other guy, you're not really gonna question it. Mm-hmm. Like even though like literally just getting the taste of flavor, not like oh, it tastes like a meat, it just has a taste, <laughs> is preferable to no taste and being shocked. So it's like, well, at least I got something. It's still a weird goop, but it's tasty goop. But- that, mm, boy this scoop is tasty um yeah it's it's really grim um which again is something this show has been good about like it's got actual again like e- some real real themes and ideas going on here about like this is this is clearly taken on the uh the prison industrial complex to an extent right um, mm-hmm. this is you know a more extreme version of what happens in the real world but it's also like close enough that it's definitely like you know discon- disconcerting right Oh, absolutely. Um, that like, yeah. In the U.S., this is what prisoners do. We 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 imprison them. Oftentimes, on like, you know, it's not that far off that people go to prison in the U.S. on like trumped up fake charges. You know, you like to think that our legal system functions a little bit better than what they have here in the empire, where you don't get <laughs> even an opportunity to defend yourself. They just some you know some official just reads what you're accused of and then sends you to prison for the, <laughs> mm, the amount of time. corresponding amount of time, but. Still, there's there's undoubtedly parallels here. Um, to say that, like, yeah, in the US, prisoners work for like no pay or or not no pay, but like incredibly small amounts and stuff. And and we just, you know, they make all kind of different products and shit, which is really sort of weird when you get right down to it. Um, again, this is that to like to the eleventh degree, right? Yeah, which is what you know, which is how fiction goes to really drive a point home. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's so. So what do you think they're building? So they're Cassian gets there and they're like, all right, you know, 12 hours a day, you're you and your table are building these. They're all building the same structure yeah. over and over again. I had that same thought. I was trying to I was trying to be like, can I do I recognize that off something? Is that part of like a vehicle or, or something I recognize? So I was talking to one of my friends and he was telling me, which I kind of think might be it, that they're building the Death Star. Oh. They're building like pieces of it. Yeah. Because like sure. What else would they would like? They're building so much, like unless they're melting it down every day and making them just do the same, like nothing labor. It's like only something that humongous could take like team forty nine men, well more than forty nine. What is that? Almost a hundred men. Oh, it's, for, no, it's hundreds and hundreds. Well, I guess I guess I'm thinking just of her Jimmy. Exactly, forty nine like, people in those rooms, and that room, and then there's seven of those rooms, and there's seven, and there's seven floors. Yeah, yeah so. So it's hundreds upon hundreds, maybe thousands. If I, I'm not doing, I'm not gonna do the math right now, but untold numbers of people to build something, and you know, it's just like oh, they're building uh, the tool of their own oppression. It could be. I don't know. I I would be kind of 
I would question that. For one thing, I think the Death Star is like really, really top secret where they wouldn't, I don't know, they probably wouldn't like, you know, um, contract that out to prisoners if they could avoid it, right? Right. The other thing is like, it could be anything, right? Those could all be parts of the TIE fighters or Star Destroyers because I get what you're saying. Like, it's a lot of them, but you know, the Empire produces thousands upon thousands of all of those. So it could just be anything in the, in the, uh, right. Grand scheme of Star Wars. Yeah. I get that. That makes Let's sense. See. Um, I try to look it up. See that's, yeah. That's a, so apparently it's a popular theory. Um, this says, oh, somebody has said that they were built, they're building the undercarriage leg attachments of a Viper droid. Or you know a probe droid, the probe droids from oh from episode from five, episode five. Um, so it's like the under part that like their legs all go into, which is kind of you know because it's that like hexagon star sort of shape. So all those could be little like points where where legs attach. I'm trying to see if I can get a good picture of it, but that I mean that's sounds plausible to me. I would assume that someone said that because some you know some big nerd like went frame by frame and matched it right up. So that's mm-hmm. probably what it is but there's there definitely be some thematic resonance to uh cast helping construct the death star wouldn't there <laughs> yeah there would be like, the thing that uh given that's the thing that literally kills him eventually right yeah the thing that he does a mission to bring down so we haven't even addressed it yet but when he arrives there his sort of foreman on his floor is um andy circus huh the tolkien white guy himself that's kind of fun yeah i wonder if anybody goes hey you sound like lord snoke Interesting. Uh, Jack. Jack, Jack, Jack. You've you've gotten right to it, haven't you? Uh, I have. The theories have been awash, Jack. There's been lots of Snoke theories as <laughs> arising out of this episode. That's that's silly. He's, oh, he's, it's very silly. Obviously not fucking... Snoke is a... Dis- he's, not a he's not a human man. Snoke's well, a different thing. Well, Jack, you've... Well, as you've j- just gotten to... Uh, people saw, like, well, same actor, so probably same character. Let me get... <laughs> Like, I mean, especially because we know who Snoke is, we know everything surrounding him at this point. But still, people have been making that. I mean, I am probably exaggerating to say that there's lots of theories. I think a lot of people are mostly joking, but it has been mentioned a couple times that, like, what if it's Snoke? Could he be Snoke? Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this proto Snoke before he gets all messed up? And but no, taller. Yeah. As you mentioned, he's not a human. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is just a fun inclusion, cool role for. And he, he plays it well. Oh yeah. Again, this is so it's so like upsetting, this idea that one of their own is is this hard on them. Again, that the Empire doesn't even need to lift a finger because you just create a horrible scenario like this where, you know, the the, the prisoners turn on each other, right? Yeah. Like it's it's so upsetting. Like <laughs> instead of all these guys being able to like, you know, take stock in their shared uh, situation as like, wait, we should all be on the same team. Because these guys are doing all of us the same way, like they're doing us all dirty in the same way. Instead, they're like, "Yeah, I guess we're, I guess you know, fuck you, fuck those other tables, fuck those other floors. It's all about, it's all about us, right? It's all about me. We're number one, baby." And like, it's it's an effective, you know, strategy. It's obviously going to work. And it does work here. Um, and it's just so, it's just so unsettling. Like they really, again, week after week, they are getting to the core of like, what does it? What does a genuine sort of like fascist regime like this that is like effective and, and so all encompassing actually look like in every way, every week they find a new way to be like, Oh, Oh, horrors beyond my comprehension. Ah, incredible. Man-made horrors, even man-made you say, Oh, aren't they? like, Oh, that's all who's making them. Um, the other cool addition here, which I will 
I will admit here, Jack, this was a cameo type appearance that actually slipped slipped by me. It's it's such a oh, nice thing, which is so so cool, and I think it's very appropriate for this show, right? Which has um, you know the whole way through been you know not about uh, like self professed as not being about connections and tie-ins and and all this, right? And cameos. Um, so I think it makes perfect sense that this is very much even one of the cameos that they actually have in here is sort of understated. It's um one of his one of his teammates at his table there, right? And this is the one who later on in the episode is the one who like gets up to him and is like talk about it, like, hey, you gotta know they're never let you go. You gotta you know, it's all it's all a scam here. You gotta you're gonna die here kind of thing. They only let you when you yeah. when they wanna let or, or yeah, they only let you go when they're done with you kind of thing. That guy. You know what I'm talking about? Um, so his name is Melshi, which he says when they're introducing each other. And I was, I was listening close because I was like, well, first and foremost, I just like to know these guys' names for, I don't know, general trivia, <laughs> Star Wars knowledge purposes. Like, yeah. Trivia know-how. I was trying to put them in the Rolodex. But I was like, I don't know. Is there a chance that any of these guys are somewhat significant? And it, it slipped past me. But Melshi, um, again, at his table there, is in Rogue One. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah, and he's also called by name in Rogue One as well, which I, you know, so it's it's a to- it's totally a connection that you could get just from watching the the you know the show and the movie, which is always fun. Like it's not it's not such a deep cut that you just have to like. Well, if you look at this reference book, they're actually the same guy. It's not one of those moments. Um, but Melshi is one of the Pathfinders, one of the Rebel Pathfinders that goes to Scarif with them. Um, on the and he's one of the ones on the ground who's like he has a couple of lines and everything even like he's uh he's the one that they're talking to like to set off the diversion you remember when they're when they're doing the the whole scarif thing um yes i think i do yeah if you look up a picture with him you might i recognize him but i think bodhi's talking to him i think he's the one who helps bodhi get the cable or something i don't know but he's uh yeah he's in there he's he's the same actor yeah it's the same actor it totally is good for him yeah, that's well, now we know. Well, now we know he lives. Spoiler. Thanks for one. That is true. You know that he makes it out somehow, and maybe that's a portent of things to come. Um, Speaking of getting out and escaping this prison, when Cassian first gets there, before he enters his floor and begins his man-made horrors, when the guards are coming up, there's only the one. They're like, well, we need two for some reason. I don't know why they'd need two. Mm-hmm. And the first guy that shows up is very like lax, and is like, whatever. I'm here. Let's do it. And I'm like, hmm. And they spend like a moment of time. Cassian looks at him. And I'm like, I feel like he might be, at least from this theory, instrumental in his escape or help. So it's like, all right, Cassian's not going to be able to get out unless he has an Imperial on his team. Because mm-hmm. like, if he if he can't get access to those boots, because they also showed like spare boots hanging up, like he has to be able to not get hit by the floors. Like that's a key yeah, yeah. component to him escaping. Yeah, they so really take, a, I think, take... Uh, a point to like show that he's really kind of taking notice of everything and and really taking stock of the the places he arrives. Yeah, almost certainly, you know, probing it for for some kind of weakness to escape because we know that Cassie isn't here for the next six years. Um, no, no, of course not. But uh, yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah, he he definitely looks pretty appraisingly at the boots. I think yeah, that's definitely going to be part of it. Um, and. Yeah, again, because these guards don't have to interact with the prisoners at all, they clearly get very lax in their sort of discipline and everything. Mm. Uh, which, yeah, I think is going to probably come back to bite them. I would, I would guess, when we have, you know, uh, the prison prison break that's almost assuredly on the horizon. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, anything so, else about the prison? 
So, no, I think I think we pretty much covered it. The guy, there's a guy who kills himself on the floor. Oh yeah, well, so yeah, that's a good point. So and and again, it just goes to show how like fucked up this whole situation is, and these guys are because pretty much the only thing any of them can say is is how it's going to inconvenience them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh gosh, I'm gonna have to smell him all night, or like you know, obviously his teammates are like, well shit, now our table's going to be slow tomorrow, and we're gonna have to all get zapped too. And it's like they're just so jaded to it all. And again, because the empire has constructed this the system here where now that's the only thing they can care about because they don't have the, I mean, third prison, they don't have the energy or time to worry about anything else is that you just have to, you know, think about the immediate sort of future, which again is totally what they would want is that you can't even take the time to be like, Oh, that's a human being that I knew who just died, who just, you know, killed himself because of the horror of all this. They're just like, well, that's going to inconvenience me here coming up. And it's that sort of like selfish sort of, you know, nature that the empire is going to want to breed and yeah, they feed on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he's it, overall not like there isn't any immediate cracks showing us there. Like he's just no, not as, not as of yet. He's going to have to figure out something, but it's not coming up. I hope. I, I wonder if uh, if we're going to have a moment where like and <laughs> his escape, they like really really get Andy Circus just to just to get comeuppance for being such a yeah. shit dude. Like Cassian gives him what for like bitches him out and leaves him yeah. to rot for being like the worst of them for turning on his his fellow mm-hmm. man like that i do um i did like the moment where everyone grills him they're like oh new guy you just got so like tell us about the the thing what is it called like the whatever that the act that they passed last week as a response to albani right mm-hmm. like he's like all our prisons are getting all our all our sentences got doubled all the new guys are showing up say it's they didn't really do anything wrong it's kind of trumped up stuff what what went on there and cassian either I don't know. Do you think he genuinely doesn't know, or do you think he's like playing, playing dumb? I honestly think he might actually just be ignorant to it. I think he just doesn't know because he's doing his own thing. He's been running. He was running, and then he was just like, oh, "I'm gonna hang out. I'm gonna go on vacation." I, which is, I think this is another kind of moment that's really gonna stick with Cassian. Is like he remains so ignorant to everything, to the thing that he directly set into motion, right? But he just yeah. and is so much for himself and on his like he just couldn't care. Be bothered. He doesn't even take the time to, yeah, to consider the implications of all this, and then until it's immediately pressing for him, and so this idea that he wasn't even aware that you know the thing he set in motion is directly responsible for his current situation, you know, in like a you know ironic roundabout sort of way, right? That, mm-hmm. You know, he got he got punished for the thing that he did indirectly. Like they didn't, yeah, you know, that's all kind of that's kind of funny, but he doesn't even know because he just has been moving through life, you know, so much with his head stuck in the sand of like, Oh yeah, no, I don't know. It's not really my problem. I think I'm not a rebel. You guys can go be rebels if you want, but I'm just going to chill. It's like, this is where that gets you Cassian. Like, and I think that's intentional. Probably a message of this show ultimately is like, you can't just be indifferent like that. Cause then you're just helping them win to an extent. So that'll be cool to see play out. Um, you know, pivoting over to our other characters, right? We have, um, Mon Mothma still on Coruscant, so she we still got Tay from last week, Tacoma. Um, for the most part, he still seems pretty cool. He seems on board. Seems down with the cause, right? Do we think? Do you think he's he's good, Jack? What do we? What do you think? You think he's legit, or I'm I'm thinking he's legit. I, I'm hoping. I, I I would. I mean, he's she's got. I mean, she kind of needs him to be. I I mean, at least. Uh, at least in terms of hoping for Mon Mothra to get through this as, as cleanly as possible, I would hope that her childhood friend is still on her team. Yeah, wouldn't you? But also, it's the type of world where he very much could not be. <laughs> yeah, just fucking on a dime, change on her. Wouldn't surprise. I mean, they had that 
again, I love that scene last week so much that I would hope it was all legit. But it also, at the same time, I can't say I would be massively surprised if it just turns out like, yep, well, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a bad guy. <laughs> I turned you mm-hmm. in for to save my own skin kind of thing. Um, but I'm hoping he's a he's a genuine. He's generally down for the cause. Um, but yeah, they're talking about still trying to get her money. Um, and he says that the new banking regulations have passed and it's not going well and it's going to be harder. Um, and, and, and all that. Um, they're, she's trying to fight this bill. It's not directly said, but what precisely it all is, but it's about overreach to whatever extent, right? She says the empire emperor is like, you know, pushing the limits again. And she's trying to, to rein him in. Um, and there's a really cool conversation between her and some, some party goers where they're talking about it. And, you know, she, she's kind of doing her best to like, again, play sort of, sort of distant and and just kind of like, Ooh, it's just about the, the bill. Right. Whereas Rhea, you know, in reality, she's, I mean, she's at this point, she's behind the scenes. She's like an extremist, right? I mean, she's, yeah, you know, directly associated with these violent, like, um, acts and stuff but on the table she's like oh guys don't you think it's a bit too far and they're all like oh maybe it's a bit too far oh yeah ha ha, ha. Uh, you're not, you don't do anything wrong you have nothing to fear and it's like well that that doesn't work oh love great logic isn't it yeah well they don't do anything wrong if you didn't do anything wrong you wouldn't be so afraid uh, well here's the thing fella not all that works if you took even a moment to think about it 100 percent. well she and she's got like she got some real real uh real fire lines in this <laughs> she's like well you know what is it's about public order. What is public order? Whatever they define it as, right? Like even her her one uh, associate there is like that's a it's a really big box, right? Like to just be like, oh, public order. We need to def- you know we should be able to do whatever we need to defend a public order, right? And it's like that could be anything. Um, but then yeah, cl- clearly enough of even her friends here are like, oh, no, it's probably fine though, right? Like they're just yeah. not, they're just not appreciating the the scope of this yet. Um, and her, the one friend in there, it's like, oh, guys, they're just helping us, you know? They're just, they're just there to protect us. Um, and one of them, they have the line of like, uh, the her one friend who's who's seemingly on her side says like, yeah, this is surveillance and prosecution without limit. And that's when they say the line uh, you talk about, which is like, oh, if you're, if you don't have anything to hide, what do you, what is there to worry about? If you're not doing anything wrong, and then, uh, Mon says, I'm fearing your definition of wrong, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's pretty apt. To be like, well, if they get to decide what's wrong, then you should probably be afraid of them telling you it's wrong. Yeah, because they're gonna come for you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong, but that's not who you have to convince, right? Mm-hmm. So, some good stuff there. Um, then, sort of adjacent is Luthen and and um, I guess yeah, Luthen and and Vel and them um, who are tied to uh, to Ferrix there. So uh, we figure out that. Marva's kind of in a bad way, which we we got a sense of, but apparently it's kind of progressing worse. Um, she's she's getting kind of ill. She's like falling over in the street and stuff. It's not great. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Bix tries to get a hold of Luthen to get a hold of Cassian, um, and he's like, "Oh, we got to find that guy because I want to kill him because he knows too much." And so we learn that uh, Val and Cinta are on Ferrix hanging out, and uh, they're and they have a relationship. I don't know if that was. Yeah. Did you not? I didn't know that. Was that stated before? I couldn't oh, really? remember. Oh, I, I, yes. I guess we never directly talked about it. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of well established. It's kind of been a matter of controversy. So just to just to the slightest extent, because it's kind of fits into that same paradigm of like, oh, this is a Star Wars, you know, this is a same sex sort of relationship, but it's it's treated so vaguely that like it's not re- uh, clearly it's it's even like able to be missed kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So it's not the strongest representation that you could get. Because I remember episode four when it, or five, maybe when it was first mentioned, it was like, oh yeah, I saw some article that was something like, oh yeah, these are you know these are lesbians and stars that you can't like you know sort of uh, you can't ignore, cut out or ignore. And then I'm like, mm, actually, thus far, I feel like you can kind of ignore it. Like I didn't even know, and I wasn't even actively avoiding it. I just was ignorant <laughs> this sort of fits the paradigm of like oh they're just good friends right yeah and they were roommates and they were roommates uh, i think if you went back and looked now with his knowledge maybe you'd pick up on it more um the yeah, big thing probably. is the first time when um cassian's like giving eyes to cinta and skeen says she's already got someone to share her blanket or something and then it cuts to val and it's like they were sleeping together oh uh, i i guess i i vaguely remember skeen saying that but i don't remember putting that together them cutting yeah. to val yeah, that's that was that. And then, like, all throughout the mission, she's very, like, protective of Vel. Or Cinta. Vel is protective of Cinta, that is. So mm, yeah. Kind of put together. Like Again, it's all very much implied, but that's the idea. That's why she cares so much about her, I guess. Um, but, yeah. So, there it is. Yeah, they're, they're together. And Vel is kind of, like, wanting to chill. And Cinta's like, yeah, maybe, though, probably not. Because, um, you know, the Empire's not going to rest on its laurels, right? Um, we, we, so, we can't either, really. Um, and then what else again? They they get Bix. Oh, so I guess this is kind of ties into uh, Dedra's plot. They're all kind of crisscrossing now, and we're getting the, a lot of interconnectivity here. So we we finally have the we've been kind of waiting for for a couple weeks now, which is uh, Dedra meets Cyril. Cyril, right? So they bring him in. They're like, Cyril, you've been put in several fraudulent uh, like requests at this point to, to try to get information about Cassian Andor. Could you? Could you quit it? <laughs> we know these aren't real. What are you doing? What are, what are you stirring up? And he's like, I want to get him. Uh, he's a dangerous criminal and I can arrest him because I am Cyril. I'm a good inspector. And they're like, all right, why don't you chill? Um, but then they kind of, yeah. she puts together that like, um, that other guy, the other lieutenant was kind of covering things up and wasn't totally forthcoming with his reports on it. So he's like, she's like, actually, I could maybe get some useful information from this guy. Um, so she lets him see the report and, and tell his side of it. But, yeah, uh, ultimately he does not have the the information she was hoping for. No, it, also she like he's such a goober about it. It's like they completely left out that they had many accomplices in this, and he's being such a fucking weirdo. It's like, all right, man, clearly this shtick has not gotten you anywhere. <laughs> like every time you break this out, people are like, dude, shut the fuck up. Nobody cares. And he's like, no, I, I'm I'm a good officer. I, I do what I'm supposed to. I just terrorized these people for no reason. Yeah, exactly. He's a bit of a bit of a tryhard about it. At every type of bootlicker about it. Like if you just calm down, maybe people, but when even the Imperials can't take you seriously because you're too much like a yeah, but at law and order, I'm trying to uphold justice. And they're like, All right, all right, we get it. Um Yeah, there's like a uh there's the the scene where yeah, she's basically just ready to kick him out. She's like, All right, I'll tell them that you did a good job here. Um and and that'll be that. Like we won't punish you actively, but that's all you're basically going to get here. Um, that's the best you're going to get from us. You've made yourself uh, useful enough. And he's like, but don't you, you should, you should use me. I could be helpful. I'm a good officer. And she's like, yeah, no, nah, I think we're good. <laughs> We've got enough officers. All right. But, um, but yeah, there's some good moments again, some real good moments about the nature of this all. He has one line, which is really kind of fucked, <laughs> which is like, can you ever be too strong in protecting order or something? Like, can you ever be too too harsh and it's like yeah uh definitely can yeah very real way you can buddy you're really missing the point yeah no that's yeah fuck you <laughs> like that's that's some really really scary logic uh 
So I think I think it's pretty safe to say. I mean, we're already you know obviously have well over halfway through the season at this point. I don't think we're getting any massive redemption out of Cyril. No, I think he's just going to be just one of the representations of a guy who's just been brainwashed. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the best you can say. He's not, he really, to an extent, thinks he's coming from the right place, but it just goes to show how effective their whole, like, the whole this whole system is and, and convincing people to, to act and think a certain way that he's totally believing that he's going about it in the right way and he's he's a good guy, but mm-hmm. he's not. <laughs> ultimately he's not even in the slightest they've taken whatever is good and and like noble about him and, and warped it and warped it so that he's in service of this great evil mm-hmm. which is interesting you know again and it's like you can it's interesting they give him that depth but it doesn't make him good <laughs> no not at all um so then uh they get oh did you type your thing again uh is that here you good okay cool. um so then they Oh, there's also the cool scene where she's given a she's given an address to the that classic boardroom again. Gotta love the boardroom. Um, it's a great spot. Again, even though she's kind of the worst and imperial. I mean, you just you love to see a girl boss win, don't you, Jack? Yeah, we love to see it here at the show at least. Big fans. So she has another girl boss win moment where she's like, guys, I think we should pursue this. I think there's good stuff here. Um, I put all this together and and her major's going to bat for her with Colonel Yularen. Um, and he's like, yeah, I think she's got some good ideas. There's there's a pattern. We think there's this guy. We're going to call him the Axis, which is kind of a sick name um, for Luther. That was a pretty cool. And they're like, yeah, we'll come with this because he's the center point of the whole wheel. That's sweet. So they're like, we think it's all connected. They're stealing all this stuff. And he's like, all right, get after it. Take all the your your requests are approved. You can have all this gear and you can you can seek it out. Um, so she takes she gets all that and she does take it to Ferrex and and they're you know. Uh, trying to suss all this out and when bix goes to do her call they they figured out because <laughs> they've got all this new surveillance equipment i think and so they lock her up and they're like what do you know about cassian what do you guys what do you know and uh it's is that where it ends right with them like locking her up and yeah they, they, they do that they do this uh very even i mean they're doing fuck shit the whole time but they take the guy who runs the shop where she does a little transmission they take him and they like torture him all night i assume and he's like all like in the chair like just you know in a heap like just just beyond almost like just in in a terrible sort of way and then they're like should we move him no she's like no no no, keep him here and then they bring her in and she's like what are you doing get him out of here come on to kind of like play it up and then like wait where are you going and there's like a little bit of desperation just to really break him down yep yep super grim so i don't think they're gonna treat our friend bix very nicely i suppose the question that we should ask is like is she is she like a you know does she feel enough of a connection to cassian to keep his secrets or or what i the thing is she i mean we know she really doesn't have much to tell them (laughs) Um, yeah but what she knows actually i guess is the good thing or good for them it's bad for everyone else um i think you know dedra is going to be pleasantly surprised that they've actually stumbled on much closer to access than they realized right because mm-hmm. she's not actually going to have much to say about cassian but she actually knows who right luthan is so like yeah. that's who they're looking for so it's pretty you know that's the one in the most she's got some pretty good information if they can get it out of her i guess and they probably will because they love torture yeah they're they're pretty good at it unfortunately um speaking of then like when they get their message luthan's like oh yeah we should get him we gotta find cassian and um what's her name Gosh, I always forget her name. 
the woman who changed shape uh, that's no right remembered who put on such an effective haircut last week that everyone forgot who she was her name's Clea. um Clea. she's like yeah no we're gonna shut this down we should shut this down this is a bad idea and i clearly she's right um ferrix is too hot and the empire is literally right there and has like is very close to figuring them out so she's got the right idea um and she she goes on to talk about like you're too you're slipping and he's like i'm not slipping like kind of slipping but it's like i'm just so tired like i don't want to hide anymore yeah it's tough i mean it's they, they're doing a they're doing a pretty hard thing like and they're these guys are very hardcore <laughs> like the two of them oh absolutely. they're running a real no-nonsense brand of everything right where and again I, this, the fascinating thing about the two of these guys in their operation here is like we still don't really know like what do they believe like what are they actually about we know they're against the empire but like everything else you, you can't trust almost anything coming out of their mouths right yeah. again like there's that it's only, it's only to get him a little bit further there's that moment where you think he has a genuine moment with cassian of like hey man come on don't you want to do something real like i believe in you i think you could be more i think we could do a real good thing here and then it turns out that was mostly just kind of blowing smoke because he needed cassian for this job but now as soon as it's done he's like yeah um go 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 fucking assassinate him because that's that's what we need for our goals here at this moment. And it's, it's all of that. Right. Like, and Clea was the same way last week when even when Vel was kind of like, Whoa, can we like, she, like, come on. These, these are human beings we're talking about. And she's like, we got no time. Your friends are dead. And that's sad, but we got to keep moving on. This kid's still alive. You got to go kill him. Like that's all we have time for here. Um, so I, I love these guys. I think Luthen's such a fascinating character. You want to really, it's, it's, it's really good stuff. One of the best. In I mean, here. Yeah, Luthen. Uh, I think the last thing we haven't touched about is Luthen's yep. meeting with not quite crazy yet, Sagarera. Yeah, Sagarera, here he is. We've been waiting for him all season, and uh, there he is. It kind of it's actually quite a bit later than I would have expected. Um, but yeah, he goes to have a meeting with Saw. Um, really good stuff in this too. I mean, obviously Forrest Whitaker's great. He knows what he's doing. We see our boy Two Tube that I called out. We see the the X Wings, the the Cavern Angels. Very cool. Like his all black X wings. Well, they're mostly black. Whatever. Those are sweet. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, this is a cool scene. So he's trying to get he's trying to get uh, Saw to play nice, basically play, play with the other kids. Um, yeah, share his toys. He's like, I have these other these other groups that you could link up with, and you could get stuff done. And Saw's like, Nah, I work alone. Um, um, oh, they they do have some fun banter in the beginning um, <laughs> about the Aldani attack, right? Who's like, was that yeah, you? He's like, oh, I thought it was you. And it's like, oh, but it's probably you, right? And he's like, oh, but it's probably you. Oh, that's what you'd say if it was you. <laughs> Which is kind of fun. Obviously, yeah. we know who it is, but it's still still an amusing Fun to play a little caddy with it. Um, and, you know, they got some... I think they're they're taking each other to task in interesting ways here. They're, they're both challenging each other's viewpoints in a way that's kind of satisfying. So, like, you know, Luthan is like, hey, so you got to play with other people. Like, you, you cannot do this alone, no matter what you believe. Like, as no matter how good you are at this, like you obviously cannot beat the empire alone. Right. Um, which I think is an interesting challenge of saw's viewpoint here. And as we, you know, come to learn, um, saw does not play well with others <laughs> and it's all no, no. his downfall. Right. Uh, last time we see him is death in rogue one. He's in this, again, this basically his fortunes have not risen much from what we see in this episode. Right. They're a small ragtag band ha- hiding in caverns and shit because, you know, even though at that point there's like a well-established, you know, full-on rebel alliance, yeah, rebel force, they can't. They they got fucking outcast because they, you know, they couldn't play ball. Um, but then he challenges Luthen in an interesting way because he's like, Luthen, aren't you tired of like doing everything behind the scenes? Obviously, he doesn't know that 
you know, Luthen has just orchestrated the Eldani thing, but he's like, you know, aren't you tired of just pulling all these strings in the background? You know, don't you want to, don't you want to actually like do something tangible? And he, you know, there's a really cool moment where he's like, Luthen, what, what do you believe? Like who, what, what is your actually, you know, your, idea, your goal here? What is your, what viewpoint you come from? Cause they, he calls out all these other like small rebel groups that are extant at this time. Um, which is cool. That's a fun, it's a, another moment where you're just like, oh, lore. Let me get all these names. Let me get all the, the, the details. Um, which this show really has had a lot of. But in like, the thing I enjoy about it is I feel like it's it's much more in line with like really early Star Wars stuff where these names and stuff aren't all referencing previous stuff. He's just making up a bunch of new shit as he goes, which is what Star Wars has always yeah. been, right? You just say a bunch of nonsense that nobody's ever heard of and you go, okay, I guess. He's like, I've got these wibble wham shield units don't you want those and i've also he's like blickety block you know fucking star path units and shit and uh you should meet with anto krieger or whatever it's like none of these are anything we've ever heard of yeah it's fun it's cool um but it's cool because he's like anto krieger was a separatist he's talking about like neo-republicans and human cultists that doesn't sound great (laughs) yeah i've heard about i was like what the fuck is he talking what do they have forrest whitaker say yeah, they just again they made him say a bunch of bullshit. Uh, uh, partisan alliance sectorists, like all these, all these words. It's like who's Maya Pay? What are you? The Gorman Front is another one. Yeah, so it's like it's all these weird, again, very f- clearly like fractured um, rebel cells that are you know eventually all gonna join together to a greater or lesser extent and become the the Rebel Alliance. But we're still you know we're still far at that point. And this is when a little bit of his his craziness creeps in, right? Oh yeah, he he loses his cool a bit here, yelling about the human cultists and shit. Um, and he says they're lost, all of them are lost, and he's the only one with clarity of purpose, which is basically yeah, to commit crimes, just bomb people, just kill everyone, <laughs> just kill all the imperials yeah. that he can. <laughs> yeah, anytime a character says no, no, I have clarity of purpose, you go, oh, so you're crazy, you're like a crazy unhinged maniac. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's not necessarily believing that you have clarity of purpose, right? But it's believing mm-hmm. that everyone else is wrong, and you're the only one who sees things right. Is when you're, yeah. is when you you've kind of crossed a line Not too far. Because yeah, it's one thing to be like, no, I'm confident in what I'm doing. It's it's another thing to be like, they're all wrong. I'm the only right guy who's ever lived. I'm the only person <laughs> who knows what's going on right now. It's like, oh, okay, so yeah, only one. You're the only guy. Only, you're the only guy in all the unit, all the galaxy, big galaxy, buddy. You're the one who knows what's up. I don't know, but yeah, again. Um, Luthen challenges him on that too, where he's like, "All right, yeah, it's well, it's all well and good to just be like, it's all fucking anarchy, and we should just burn it all down, you know, right to nothing." Um, but like, that's not actually how you like. You guys can live in this cave, but we're not all going to live in caves, are we? Like, you know, yeah. we need to actually have something more than just destruction. Uh, we need something to go back to. Yeah, exactly. So, I think that's kind of cool. But uh, I don't know. It does. It's kind of left. A little open like they don't really come to the agreement they're looking for there but we also didn't get some of the scenes that we actually saw from from saw in the trailer so that'll be cool um there's that part where he's from the trailer where he's like let's let's call it a war whatever so yeah we still have that moment to look forward to, to at some point um it makes me wonder though again we're, we're kind of so far into it is like how much how much is saw gonna do like what are they i wonder how much use they're actually gonna make of him um or if he'll just be one of these characters that we just get as like you know confirmation that the the rebellion is slowly sort of building and you know Luthen is is forging all these these connections. Mm-hmm. You know? 
he probably I maybe he'll be like you know part of this arc because we've just entered another you know three arcs so maybe he'll be in the next couple episodes in the background and with with Lucin's side of things. Um, I I was kind of thinking about this in terms of this because it really does seem like maybe Dedra is getting close on the tail of Luthen, which is you call that out like way early on. I think maybe her first introduction that like this was kind of going to be her role in this story was was uncovering all this 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 the secrets here. Um, I'm gonna say I'm a smart guy. Yeah, you're a very smart guy, yeah. One smart of the guy I know. Definitely top two smartest dudes on this podcast. With oh, I would have to say. Yeah. Um, so I guess if we count if we count the other two people we've had as guest hosts, oh, that tracks. Kind of forgot about that. <laughs> I, I'll stick with that though. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, I'm Fuck them. They're not here to defend themselves. Yeah. Also, I mean, we're the only ones on this on this podcast right now. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, they're not here to. Uh, oh, so like I don't know. You know, obviously, Luthan Rail is a character that we don't have in really any other uh, future content and stuff, which is not often a good sign for a project like this. I don't, is she going to get him? Are we going to see my boy go? I I think he might. I think he might get got because I, I, f- I think too. that like he can't stick around. Like, I feel like the the the, Repo- the rebellion has to become the Mon Mothma or Sagarera camp. Like you kind of have to filter him out and Luthen's too much in the middle. He's too like, he's too between them. He can, cause he can kind of filter him out. Cause if you're in the middle, you can kind of go through him and he'll kind of temper people down to what he needs in the moment. Sure. But the rebellion, I, I feel like kind of needs like, Oh no, either you're going to like do what do what needs to be done, but you know, like not kill people and, Oh, we're just going to kill everybody. We see a caution of the wind. Let's burn to the ground kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, like Saw says, like he doesn't really believe in anything. It seems, or at least we don't know what that is. Like he doesn't have the sort of ideological base to operate off of. It seems, which mm-hmm. for better or worse is yeah, so important to these. Like that's what these movements are. Ultimately, a, a rebellion like this is so like ideologically motivated, and that's what it's rising up to. Have a guy who's just like, well, I'm against the empire, but I don't really know why. Um, again, there, there probably is a reason for that, and I. I still would really like to see like where is this guy coming from? Why is he doing the stuff he does? Other than he just says like in the, what he says in this episode, which is that he's just a coward who's scared of the empire getting too much power. But like that's not the full story, is it? Right? No, it can't be. He's being a little self-deprecating there to be like, yeah, I'm such a coward. That's why I'm participating in this rebellion, putting myself at extreme risk. Like, no, you're not. You know, he can't be that much of a coward, right? So I want to. I I would love to know what his deal is, but. Yeah, I think he's got to go sooner or later. Um, you know, like unfortunately, I—I yeah, I mean, he could get into the next season, maybe at least. But he's got—he's probably got to get got sooner or later. Yeah, definitely. He's been doing a great job. Oh yeah, it's good. Telling Skarsgård, he's excellent. What a guy. So good. I do. I did like when Cyril was like, "Yeah, if I heard his voice, I could recognize." It. And I was like, "Yeah, that that voice would stick with you, wouldn't it?" <laughs> yeah, Cassian Ander, sandpaper. That's right. Oh quite distinctive when he yeah. he probably has that <laughs> that moment burned into his fucking brain when he's like kill him i'll kill him <laughs> <laughs> the scariest one of cereal Farrell's life yeah right exactly that, that would be that would be the scariest moment of your life just a dude being like i'll kill you <laughs> all right fine you're gonna kill him cassian i'll kill him and it's funny because Cass- cassian and him have the two most distinct voices in star wars because they're not british men or women That's right exactly we do it Sailing Skarsgård's a, a Swede or a, a Northman, as it were, Scandinavian, and Diego Luna's um, Latino. Yeah, he's they're not just <laughs> uh, British or American <laughs> actors. 
yeah, it's good stuff. Very exciting. Uh, yeah. Enjoying it. I, I, yeah, I mean, again, they gotta be working on the the uh, breakout, which would be cool. It's I would have not expected that from this show. Um, you know, I said that about a couple weeks ago with the heist. Like it was like a genuine, like oh, this is like an actual well thought out heist. You know thing and this is going to be i assume pretty much the same thing for like a prison break right which are fun you know little like subgenres um that will be fun to see explored in star wars i think because mm-hmm. they they kind of market this a lot as like a spy thing and there hasn't been a m- very much spying from cassian himself this the yeah. kind of spy uh you know espionage subterfuge has all been through like luthan and his his compadres so yeah it's good stuff i gotta i will say I hope that by the end of this arc, going into the finale, maybe, um, or maybe, ah, gosh, I guess it'll probably be like an end of season thing, come to think of it, but Cassian's got to be real close to, to being on the rebel side, no? I would I would hope so, after everything he's been through. Because at a certain point, it gets a little bit hard to believe that, like, all these things keep happening to him, and he still wants to be this, like, aloof, you know, indifferent guy. That, you know, that can't hold on for too much longer, right? No, I just cannot, especially after his own mother is like, hey man, it's happening. You like the hands are dead in the square. Like it's it's only yeah. getting worse. But even that he was like, All right, well, I guess I'll go hang out on this beach and just vacation. Like it even that didn't didn't have enough of an effect on him. I think maybe this did. Yeah. Again, this idea that he's gonna realize, like, wait, you know, what I did directly set off the Empire to do the thing they did here to to institute this new Again, just just more and more of these little uh, like atrocities that the Empire is piling up that make it, you know, just too much. Again, it's the same thing that they said last week and Luthen said it this week that like oppression breeds rebellion. Like they they want the Empire to crack down harder so that people rise up more. It's this, you know, sort of direct, you know, inverse that that happens um, where like things have to be bad to get people to want to change them. Because, again, mm-hmm. as, as has been like a major idea of this show, if it's too too gradual too small then like people just learn to get complacent and then they don't realize just how bad it is so so it's too late continues to be just awesome i don't know i love this show um i've seen a lot of people this week talk about like what how do we think it compares jack to some of the other shows we've watched this year this year yeah probably the best one probably the best one right you know as much as the house of the dragon i i think maybe the ideas in this are a little just a little bit more like poignant and, and some of the writing's just a little sharper yeah Mostly because like this show has, it's like the most ground level start. Like, there's no Jedi. There's no lightsabers. Mm-hmm. There's I mean, House of the Dragon. As good as it is, it's like oh, a big dragon that breathes fire, and oh, we're riding dragons and stuff. Like, and also it's like we like we talked about in um in our section right, earlier in this episode. Like realistically, if you look at House of the Dragon from the common man's perspective, it doesn't really matter. Like, oh, Aegon's king? All right, Oranera's queen? Who who really cares? I gotta till I'm still gonna have to till this field for winter. Mm-hmm. So like not not totally deal, but obviously Andor is he's a common man. Yeah. Like so it's directly what happens to them under these kind of rule. It's very much so yeah, this like this idea of how these things resonate with the yeah, the common person in Star Wars, the, the small guy and how it all yeah, trickles down and stuff. I saw Diego Luna actually tweeted this week, um Polygon article um where his screenshot in particular where it said there's a lot to love about andor the new star wars show on disney plus it feels less like another star wars retread and more like an actual television show with something on its mind it's angry it's sharp and the depth of its ideas gives a lot of room for thought and consideration and i totally agree i'm oh, absolutely i'm absolutely loving it again i think I, people for some people really 
<clears throat> for some reason, some people really take it <laughs> personally that people are enjoying this show. Like, it's like that meme. <laughs> like, you know, people enjoy people are enjoying Andor, and I and I took that personally. Like, <laughs> yeah, big fans of the Mandalorian stuff are acting like it's this binary for some reason, where like, oh, oh, because you think you know Andor is good, or even like, oh, you think Andor is the best show, so that means you must hate the Mandalorian, right? It's like no. I do think I'm definitely at the point where I would say, I think Andor is the best star Wars show, but you know, again, those other shows are good for other reasons. I loved Obi-Wan Kenobi. I did. And I think the writing in that was great. And it had, you know, really good character stuff. That was a more even smaller scale story about like this one man here, these two, you know, those two guys and their, their growth and their relationship and all that. Um, But I think the thing that really makes Andor a cut above is definitely like, there's just an attention to detail with, with kind of everything and, and a certain quality on all of it. And that's what I would mm-hmm. say people really would like to be carried over to pretty much every Star Wars project, right? It's not just that like it's slightly more mature and it has some more adult kind of ideas because I don't think the, every Star Wars show needs to be that. I don't think every Star Wars show needs to be this like super grim examination of, of like the Empire and, and dealing with the political side of things and like, you know, sans jedi sans the force and all that i get it those are also very essential i would not want every star wars show to be this kind of you know this kind of focus but i do think every star wars show would benefit from having this like quality of writing this quality of production right i do think that maybe this should teach people that there's something to be said for using the volume a little bit more sparingly when you can Mm -hmm. um i think all those are factors into why this show has been as positively received as it has and again, even even to the level of like the the writing and the and the themes and stuff. Not every Star Wars show needs to be quite so poignant and have have something so you know like oh this is this is a show that has something to say and it's really going to get you know everything that the show does ties back to like the these, uh, themes and these ideas that it has. Not everything needs to be quite on that level. You always you know there's always going to be room for stories that are a little bit lighter and, and more fun. But again, the general overall quality I think should be should be there yeah I, I definitely agree like yeah not everything has to be super gritty but it should all be it should all look pretty good i think mm-hmm. especially because the amount of money they can throw at star wars there's no reason it shouldn't it should look bad again especially after a show like this like if you prove that you can do it well if you don't do it this well or i guess you'll do it this well every time but like if it's noticeably bad it's like well now you're just not trying you just don't care as much about this thing yeah I got I, I was looking for it and I thought I saved it. I saved a tweet just to that uh talking to that exact idea which just says I've seen some pushback from Star Wars fans when folks including myself say Andor should be the template for Star Wars shows going forward. We were referring to the level of care taken with all aspects of production, acting, writing, direction, etc. and not necessarily the tone. And that's yeah, that's totally how I feel. Um I I, I will, you know, concede on some level the point the people who are arguing that like it's not Again, they aren't so one-to-one black and white that it's easy to just say like, oh, Andor is better than whatever, the Mandalorian or whatever. Yes, there's, you know, obviously it's not black and white to just compare any two projects like that, right? There's, you know, all all manner of things to differentiate them where it's like, well, they're not trying to do the exact same thing. So it's impossible to say which one of them is exactly better. Like you can talk about which one does their thing better, right? Like mm-hmm. did Andor do what it's trying to do better that did it achieve that you know better than the mandalorian achieved it or whatever but i I, at the same time i do think that's 
a bit of a cop out, right? A shield from any criticism to just be like, well, they're different shows, so you can't really compare them, right? Like, no, you know, it's still fair to say if you like one more than the other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, overall, great stuff. Happy to right. continue. Very excited for the rest of the season. And again, sad that once this is over, just like House of the Dragon, we won't get it till 2024. Yeah. The only saving grace of that is that we have enough Star Wars stuff on the horizon between now and then to, to fill in all the gaps. Again, the thing, the thing that's so crazy with House of the Dragon is it's just going to be, I, I, as far as I can tell, like two full years just away from that world entirely, right? So I don't know, dude. What do you think that's about? Is that just going to be the new standard? It's a, we've said a little bit off pod, but I'm thinking that might be like a very a similar to a work from home kind of situation that we had, where now that uh, we've proven that you can work from home and stay efficient, that more people can use that, be like, oh, I want to work from home more now because I can prove that I can do it. It's more like, oh, we can take this long and the shows are fine and people will accept it. So we're going to keep doing it. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, is it all, for sure. like, do you think it is like a COVID related thing? Like maybe it's like you said, like, you know, for a few years here, we've had where they take longer and everyone's just accepted it because it's like, well, yeah, of course, because of all these different circumstances, of course, you're going to take longer. And now that that's kind of, yeah, been accepted as a standard now, just going forward, they're always just going to take longer because why rush yourself kind of thing. But yeah, perhaps gosh, I, I would know. think so. They used to be able to crack out Game of Thrones season in a year, no problem. And like, it, I don't know, is it is this show so much more intensive on CGI that it's the case? I don't Perhaps, because they got to do a whole ass dragon. But like, okay, here's maybe a better example then, right? The Mandalorian, the first two seasons were were pretty much exactly a year apart, right? Mm. And now, you know, no, it was like fall 2018, fall 2019. And now it's fall 2018 to like spring 2023. Or sorry, 2019 to spring 2023. That's a pretty big chasm. Yeah, that's true. I would agree with that. And it's like, that's the same show. What? You can't tell me that much has changed again, other than the the world circumstances going on, which makes you wonder: like, is this still kind of a temporary thing? A mm-hmm. couple years will everything kind of settle out? Because it, again, it's just it's wild to think that some of these. Because here's the thing: there's also plenty of shows that are keeping up their normal tempo, right? Like, I mean, network mm-hmm. TV's shows still manage to do thirty episodes a freaking season somehow. Like, and and those are like clockwork. So I don't know interesting to see yeah there's definitely an element of like some of these larger franchises and all that they aren't always working on follow-up projects like i mean the mcu is kind of like that right we've had like right. 15 shows now or whatever and it's like most of them aren't getting follow-ups at all so it's kind of hard to really compare because it's like okay season two of loki is more than a year between right but also again because it's part of this larger you know framework it's like yeah but there's been eight other shows that they were working on in the interim and then they, you know, they got back, they got back around to Loki when it was relevant to the larger story and all this. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, but. Yeah. Well, I guess one of the things we have to wait and see how the trends change. Yeah, I guess so. But I think we got pretty set on Andor. Yes, sir. All right, perfect. So then we'll wrap it up right about here. So always you can find us on Twitter and Gmail at Ecotech Jazz. That's J-A-Z. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at The Ecotech Podcast. Our intro was done by a friend of the show, Celery Salt. You can find him on Spotify and SoundCloud. Our logo is my friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night. Godspeed.